Hello, welcome everybody to episode 87 of the Megavision Show. Uh, today is July the 23rd. Oh, yeah, it's July 23rd, 2021. Wow. God, I didn't realize how late into July we were. Um, I'm your host, Graham Cookson, and joining me this week, he lives in a free world. He whistles down the wind. He carries on smiling, and the world will smile with him. It's Chris Powell. Hey, hey. Hey, I'm back. All right. Yes. We are back again, live on Twitch. Uh, we've been off for a few weeks um, for various reasons. Um, illness, other things basically going on. Lots of stuff going on in the world. So, yeah. Um, but, yes, anyway, join us. We're keep still us trying coming. to get over a pandemic, so cut us some slack. Yeah. <laughs> I think the whole world is trying to get over the pandemic. That's right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, keep us company. If far off any questions you have in the chat, and we'll get to them as we go for the show. And this is a little special show, really. Megavisions is celebrating its five-year anniversary. Oh, my God. Um, so we started our – we'll go into more of this later on in the show, but we started our Kickstarter in July 2016. And time has flown by, basically. So there has been a lot of new readers to the magazine since we started. And we thought today would be a good time to look back at the origins of Megavisions and the sites that we worked on that helped pave the way for Megavisions to be here today. Um, a couple of sites, well, there's a site that I think a lot of people will be familiar with, uh, maybe one that people aren't. So yeah, check that out. And we'll, we'll get back to that later in the show. Um, but yes, after we've done reminiscing as well, we've got some exciting news because we've been talking about this for a while. We are going to show off some of our fresh designs for Megavisions um, as we relaunch the magazine. So we're going to talk more in depth on the ongoing work uh, to get the issue out of the door and into your hands once again, because it's been a while since we've had a, a release of our, our magazine. But uh, buckle up, everybody. Uh, we're in for a wild one this week. Uh, so yeah, it's time for the Megavisions Show! I'm not going to touch anything. Oh, good. <laughs> Chris is not going to touch anything. That's good to hear. Yeah, man. Um, so, yes, we are live once again. And as always, let's kick off with what we've been up to. Chris, pal, buddy, what's been going on? Oh, my God. I think, I think in the last show I was on was a few weeks ago and I was telling everyone I was selling my house and all of the, the, the crazy bad stuff that was happening. I think I even said I think my family was cursed. <laughs> Um, at yes. one point, and it really felt like that. It definitely did. But we've persevered and we stuck through it. And we're almost at the finish line to actually selling our home and moving into our new one. And as I was telling you guys, I don't know why we did it, but we bought a farm out here <laughs> in South Jersey. It's a small one, but it's a farm. And we actually have kind of like a little farm, like small one here at our house where we had, you know, a about uh, maybe eight to 10 chickens at one point and a bunch of other animals, but we're definitely expanding that when we go to the new place. But the most exciting part is the, the farm originally back in the day was uh, a dairy farm. Uh, and there was, mm. it was over a hundred acres on the farm. And at some point they sold off a bunch of the, the acreage. And so now surrounding the property is all farmland that they, they farm corn and like soybeans. But uh, on our property, we have about four to five acres in the middle of this kind of sprawling farmland. And uh, 
we have an old dairy like processing barn, not barn, but kind of a, a, a workshop kind of thing. It's pretty big. That is going to be the future home of the Megavision's offices. So I've already, we've already hired contractors. It's going to get started right around the first of the month uh, on the new house uh, and starting work in the, the, the actual house part first. And then I'm hoping sometime in September, they'll be able to start work on the actual office space. I'm hoping that it will be finished in time for too many games in October because a lot of the Megavisions crew is going to be rolling into this part uh, of the Northeast for too many games. And I'm hoping we can do some fun streams and things like that out there. We have some big plans for too many games. Uh, I'm hoping everything goes smoothly with that. So that's what I've been up to. Um, I do want to say really quick, I have been playing some Far Cry 5. Because uh, I've been playing Far Cry 3 for a minute. Basically, because I got so excited based on Ubisoft's E3 show, because uh, Far Cry 6 looks so good. And I realized I need to go back and play these games just to get familiar with a lot of the concepts and mechanics and things like that. Because I want to really jump into Far Cry 6 and, and, and you know be kind of prepared and experienced with the game. I love Far Cry 3. I've, I think that game still holds up so well. And... Playing it on my Series S, it uh, I think it uh, upscales it a bit, and I don't know if it has the FPS boost. I know Far Cry Five has FPS Ooh, okay. boost on the Series S, uh, and you can it, it, that makes a big difference. But I just I love the way uh, all the abilities unlock in Far Cry Three. Like as you're just killing yeah. dudes and hitting levels, you're unlocking new things that just make the game more fun and more accessible, and all these mm-hmm. things. Uh, I will say that going from that into Far Cry 5 is weird because you can see that Ubisoft has added in all these different uh, microtransactions and other things. So no more can you just level up or, or gain new abilities or perks through just basically leveling up. Now you have to, in Far Cry 5 it's weird, you have to almost do like achievement style things to unlock perks. Like kill a hundred bad guys with an assault rifle or, and every single type of weapon will grant you perks. If you complete that kind of objective, which is, which is kind of cool in a way, but for me, I like to play the game a certain way and use certain type of weapons. I usually like to use like an assault rifle and a sniper rifle and those combos mm. and switch between those. What's kind of pissing me off is that Far Cry 5, it's essentially forcing you to use other weapons so you can unlock more perks and it's making me play in a way that I normally wouldn't. So I'm just complaining. So, but overall, you, I'm really liking it. Can you remind me, is Far Cry 5 the one that's set in America? And it's sort of like a cult or something? Yeah, it's, it's set in Montana. It's like the Seed family. Um, okay. Which I like. I, I think that's an interesting concept. Um, and I'm, I'm not super far into it. I may be about five to six hours into it but i'm I'm really enjoying it it seems like they're taking it feels almost in certain ways like uh the way oh man um what was that i'm I'm brain farting the the series that thq was doing that was like the grand theft auto oh saints uh, row Okay, so in the latter stages of like Saints Row, you remember they start getting like really crazy with it. Like yeah. Saints Row Three started getting really over the top, and 
they were more gearing the game to just make it as much fun as you can do. And, you know, in this big sandbox environment, in some ways, Far Cry 5 feels that way to me because you can just do all this like silly, stupid stuff. You can get into wingsuits and parachutes and it, it, nothing makes sense. <laughs> like nothing would work in real life doing it, but it makes it fun. And it's just over the top. And so I am having a lot of fun with it. I'm, I think I still am enjoying Far Cry 3 better than Far Cry 5. Uh, but what is cool is I was able to get a, uh, a skin of uh, what's his name? The, the bad guy, Far Cry 3. What's his that, name? That, Vass. Vass. Vass, yeah. yeah. So it's I'm basically running around as Vass. Pretty cool in Montana. It's, it's pretty awesome. But uh, wow. okay. I'm enjoying it, man. I'm, I definitely like these series. Yeah, so um, for me, Far Cry 3 is probably what... This, this is going to be a bold statement. Actually. Far Cry 3, to me, is one of the best first-person games I think I've ever played, especially for an open-world one. They did. As you said, I don't think that's as controversial as you may think. It good. Is. Okay. Good. Good. For once, I'm not saying something really crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I preferred the storyline, the whole structure, like sort of mission structure, the progression as well. Um, even though it was open world, it seemed to have a very tight storyline that you followed. Whereas I found Far Cry Four was just it felt almost too open. Like the storyline was there, but it wasn't as engaging. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't draw me in. Like the stuff with Vast was just brilliant. I thought in the in Far Cry Three, like um, like he kept talking to you about the uh, the definition of insanity and stuff like that because because he kept trying to kill you and that was like it's like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. He tried to kill you like so many times and stuff. Um, and then Far Cry Five, Far Cry Five, I started playing. I didn't get very far to be honest. I I kind of gave up. I think because of what you were saying, um, like with the way they handled the progression of stuff, I just didn't enjoy that as much. Was Far Cry yeah. and like the wingsuit and stuff because you got the wingsuit in Far Cry Three, um, but you you really it was really late in the game when you unlocked it from from memory. I remember playing that. Yeah, ages. I'm pretty far into it. I haven't unlocked it yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm I'm probably a good twelve hours or more into the game so far. Yeah, it was like a big achievement, and you got to that point in the game, you're like, oh my god, I've just unlocked this. Whereas the other games seem to unlock stuff very quickly, and like in Far Cry Four, you can like get the sort of little helicopters and stuff. So you can just fly around and it's just like okay yeah um yeah um oh h2o it's just a shout out to h2o happy dude and akira blade are in the chat and h2o oh, yeah. asked a couple of questions the one you just asked there we're going to get to that later in the show so yes we will talk about that um yeah um and where else have you been up to chris sorry yeah uh that's about it actually just that's about it Fair enough. Get ready for the, uh, the the next issue, man. We've been hard at work at that. So yeah. I, I'm like, I am excited to show that later on, but uh, I'm really excited to ask you about this like retrospective that we're going to do today. Mm, um, I've been wanting to be talk good. about this for a long time. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, well, what have you been doing? Graham? What have I been up to? So I actually got my second COVID shot yesterday um, and my arm really hurts today. Like, um, like just moving it like that is just, freaking painful and I, i'm earlier today i was like working and i just had to sort of like hold it up like this because i couldn't type <laughs> with it anymore it was like like it's just like oh i don't know it's really weird i i personally feel like i have got a decent pain threshold because i've injured myself so many times over the years i've like fractured both my feet at different I, w- times. I don't think that's true oh sir. okay right fine well let's 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 have a good old punching contest <laughs> 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 <I don't know. laughs> 
I will, I'm only basing that on the fact of, of seeing how sick you got uh, in the, the mall parking lot after <laughs> dipping some 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 tobaccos, chewing tobacco. That yeah, that chewing tobacco was damn, that was bad. Um, but that's different. That's different. That's just me getting sick from digesting something. I'm I guess physical pain. Anyway, anyway. My arm hurts, but the good thing is it's not as bad as the first shot because the first shot I actually got full-on flu symptoms like um, the next day and um, I was off for like a few days basically. I was like shivering and I had aching bones all over. Um, although weirdly, and weren't you trying up. to do a podcast with us? Yeah, I did, the, I did a podcast in the evening because I felt kind of okay after the shot. I was like, yeah, I can do a podcast. And then <laughs> and then like I think the next, I was meant to do another podcast after or the next day and then I was like, I can't do it, guys. I'm dying now. Um, but yeah, I was like I was like sweating but also shivering and stuff. And yeah, it's really weird. But like, this morning I woke up and both my thumbs hurt for some reason. So I don't know if that's to do with the COVID shot or I just slept on them like really weirdly or something. But I woke up going, ah, I have my thumbs. What are you doing with your thumbs? In the middle of <laughs> Who that? knows? Who knows? Wow. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, speaking of farms, if anyone's got Amazon Prime, I think it's out in America as well. It's definitely out in the UK. Everyone watched Clarkson's Farm. Um, do you know of Clarkson's Farm? I don't. Okay. Do you know Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear, the original Top Gear? Yes. Okay. So, um, while, uh, so he's still creating the Grand Tour, which is like the Top Gear of Amazon Prime, basically, um, with, with James May and Richard Hammond. But there was a hiatus where they had to sort of put it on hold for a while. And, um, so he's actually done another documentary, which Amazon Prime has sort of paid for. Um, and this is basically, so, he owns a farm. He's owned a farm since 2008, but he's never farmed on it. He used to have like this other farmer who used to basically just do all the farming. Um, it's, it's almost like he, he, um, sort of rented out to this farmer, basically. The farmer sort of did it with his own crops. The farmer made money from the crops. Jeremy Clarkson didn't really make any money from it, but he, he lived on the farm. He lived in the farmhouse and he owned the land. Um, but the guy retired back in 2019, um, the farmer. So Jeremy Clarkson sort of thought, why don't I try farming? <laughs> sort of thing. Um, and he saw, and it basically, it's basically a documentary about that. And it's brilliant because I think even if you don't like Jeremy Clarkson, cause there's a lot of people who don't, this is a very good show even then, because it sort of shows his own stupidity. It's back like when Top Gear used to be really good. Cause everything they did in Top Gear originally was just stupid mistakes. They thought, I've got an idea. I'll do this. But Top Gear became a bit more dictated. Like it's a bit more scripted later on. Um, and, and Grand Tour is pretty scripted as well, which is a bit annoying. But this is, from what I can tell, this is not scripted at all. Like he's talking to experts who help, like give him advice or help him with farming. And like he'll go, I've got a great idea. And they go, that's a stupid idea. Don't do that. And he go, I'm going to do it anyway. And he does it and like just screws up and wastes money and <laughs> he just makes mistakes. Like like, but it's really interesting. It's really fascinating. And it's also happened. He starts doing it before COVID hit and then COVID hit. Um, and it sort of shows the effects of like what COVID had on the farming industry in the UK. Um, like just for, for one example, he, he'd bought, he'd bought a load of sheep. Um, the idea that the sheep could help sort of graze on the grass and cut the grass. Um, that was like a big idea of his. Like he could just cut the grass for free by having sheep in the field. And there's like, and also they have lambs so we can do lambing and stuff. So we can sell lambs to like restaurants and things. The price of lamb, like, got cut in half immediately after covid because restaurants weren't buying it anymore and stuff like that so like he lost basically lost you know thousands of pounds because because of covid but 
He, well, he lost more than thousands of pounds. He lost a lot. See, would you say the lamb industry got chopped? No. Oh, hey, oh. <laughs> oh, dear. You could say got a bit shanked, maybe. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say, you've got Amazon Prime. Hopefully it's on in America. Go and watch it. And also, the more people watch it, um, hopefully they'll make a season two, because that's still up in the air at the moment. There's been a sort of discussion, is it happening? Because... The thing is, it's actually Amazon Prime's most watched show that they've created. Um, oh, Happy Dude saying, boo this man. What's wrong, Happy Dude? You don't like Jeremy Clarkson? <laughs> oh, dear. I think, I, think if you, I think if you watch it, you'll maybe warm to him or just find it funny when he screws up because it's, it's one of those shows. Anyway, um, another show that I, I've been watching is Final Space. Have you, have you heard of Final Space? No. Okay, so how can I explain this? So, it's an American show. It's a cartoon. It's um, it's more of an. A- I'm going to say it's. Oh, the pun was bad. Sorry, that's what uh, <laughs> Happy Dude was doing. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> the puns were great. <laughs> All puns are bad, but that was great. Um, so, final say. I guess I'm going to call it an adult cartoon because um, it's designed for adults. It's got swearing. It's got violence in it and stuff. Um, it's. Oh, how can I explain it? It's basically about this guy, this this human who is it like alone on like this sort of prison spaceship for like years. And um he's basically about to get set free, and then all this crazy stuff starts happening in the universe. There's this guy, there's this evil alien who's like becomes the the ruler of the who's trying to become the ruler of the universe and stuff. And um it's I can't I can't actually explain it. You have to watch it basically. It's bloody mental. The, f- the first like two or three episodes i was like i'm not sure if i'm enjoying this and then but i was like for some reason i was really intrigued to see what happened next and then by the ba- about the third or fourth episode i was like this is great this is so good and the thing is this is the second time like i've just, watched that's it. also how you described your your sex life to me once <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um <laughs> just do it long enough and eventually you'll find a way to enjoy it again yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, so I actually, so in the UK, they've got two seasons out and there's meant to be a third one out because the third one came out in America in March and I thought it'd come out in the UK as well, but I decided to rewatch seasons one and season two, which is what I was doing. And then I got to the end of season two. I was like, wait, where's the third, ep- where's the third season? And it's just not out yet. And for some reason I thought it was. So I've just, I feel like I've, I haven't actually wasted any time because I really enjoyed it, but Rewatching it was a brilliant, brilliant little adventure. And Chris, I reckon you might enjoy it. I think you might enjoy it. It's got the wacky kind of, well, it's not just wacky humor. It's got some good humor in it. And it's actually got a very good storyline as well. That's the other thing. The characters actually. Did you say it was animated? Yeah, it's animated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, oh, sorry. One other thing. I've been watching a lot of stuff. Another thing I watched is Lo- Star Trek Lower Decks on Amazon Prime as well. Okay. I, I is, am familiar with that. I haven't watched it yet. Okay, though. so that's a that's a cartoon version of the Star Trek um, sort of universe, but it's 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 mm-hmm. funny. It takes the piss out of Star Trek in itself, basically. Um, like there's like one episode where an alien's talking about them being in Starfleet and saying that Starfleet's all perfect. Like, like they they screw up something, and it's like, what? What do you mean you screwed up? Like, you're Star you're Starfleet. You you know everything. You're perfect. It's like we're not perfect. We screw up all the time. Like, and they go through a list of like things like Captain Picard and Captain Kirk did. They were just were stupid ideas and stuff. Um, I found it really funny. Like the first episode I was a bit like, mm, I'm not sure. And then by the second episode, I was really, I was really enjoying it. And I hope there's a season two for that as well. Um, anyway, 
Um, one other thing, let's go back to gaming a little bit. I picked up um, The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD for the Nintendo Switch. And it came with a, a steel case tin thing as well to put this in for some reason. Even though it's weird because that's the same size as the box. So I assume I just put the game in there, which... Well, that's I, the HD version. <laughs> hard hard dispersion. Indeed. Um, so I, I, here's, here's the crazy thing. I like most of the Zelda games. Breath of the Wild, I've got controversial reviews about. I think it's a good game, but it's not my favorite Zelda game, even though everyone loves it. Um, Skyward Sword is one of my least favorites because I own it on the, the Wii. And I enjoyed it a little bit, but I didn't get quite far in it, but I, got, I kind of gave up. I was like, I'm kind of bored of it. And I thought this one might be better because they actually talk about some of the quality of life stuff they've done to it. Um, like, for example, in the Wii original, every time you booted up the game, um, and then went like sort of dove back down to because basically if you don't know you're kind of like on these floating islands in the sky and you have to go down to the ground level at certain points and every time you go down there onto the ground level every time you pick up an item it would tell you what it is even if you picked it up before so like every time you went back up up or if you turned off the game and restarted it every time you went back down it'd go you've picked up an acorn this does this. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. And it'd do it every time. So, every, so it would be for every single item. There's so many items you can pick up. It got so frustrating. Um, and they've, they've got some other quality of life stuff. They made the camera angles better and stuff. They've reduced some of the text. There's not so much talking in certain points. Um, but so that this has kept the Wii, so Wii motion controls, which is what the game was designed for. It's one of the first games to use the the enhanced Wiimote on the Wii. Um, that would atta- oh, okay. I can't remember what it's called now. The attachment you plug into the bottom, which makes the Wiimote even better. Um, was it just like Wiimote Plus or something? Yeah, shit? something like that. Yeah, yeah, Wiimote Plus. Um, so you had to buy Wiimote Plus to even play this game uh, on the Wii. Um, so they've kept that with it. So if you've got the the Switch plugged into the TV, you can, u- you can use your controllers like that. Um, I was playing it, though, in handheld mode. And oh, my God, what the fuck? <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay, okay, you're playing a Zelda game on your Switch. How would you attack an enemy? What would you do? What what the, go through the, the motions? Like what would the buttons be that you press? I don't I mean the attack button? Go through and lock on attack? Okay, so you, what's the what's Okay, I've, okay, I don't have my Switch with me, but I've got my Xbox controller to hand. Okay. So you say you press the attack button, would that be like one of these buttons, do you think? Sure. Yeah, very, very good. No, that doesn't that doesn't happen in this. No, um, to attack, you have to move this in the direction you want to attack. So you move the analog stick, and you think, oh, that sounds okay, that might work. But no, because if you kind of have to like hold it in one direction, then pull down in the other. So like, if you want to do a forward slash, you have to like sort of hold forward and then down, basically, and then like sort of moves and if you just hold, hold it's, it's, it's making the motion with the analog yes stick, it's making the motion which i think is stupid because they could have easily done it that you i don't know hold down the attack button then move the analog stick and then he'll swipe or something something like that which is kind of what you used to do in other zelda games like you'd sort of flick the, the analog stick the direction you want to swipe and that's how it would work um but yeah they didn't do that they decided to use this and it's really awkward because there's times of running into battle and if you press this in one direction, he sort of holds the sword out like this. So he's like running along with a sword going like this. And he tried to swipe and he's like, and I was just like, my God. I, was, I played it for like, I played it for a couple of hours, just going through the tutorial stuff at the start. And I was just like, 
oh, this is not as much fun as I remember. So I think I'm going to need to play it with the motion controls because with the channel stick, it's really tough. And I I feel like if you've got the the the, the switch that doesn't oh, I forgot what it's called now, switch light, the the one that doesn't have the motion controls, I feel like you yes. you're going to be a bit screwed. So hmm. Although I guess you can buy you can buy wait can you buy you can't buy the motion controls for that can you? No, because that it has the uh, the Joy Cons like built in. Yeah, so they don't slide out. <laughs> yeah, they don't slide out, but you can't buy separate ones, can you? Or can you? I've got a feeling that doesn't I think you just, to TV, does it? You would probably just have to use your, hmm. like the Pro Controller or something. Oh, well. Anyway, anyway. So, yeah, Skyward Sword. Um, yeah, the, some of the, like, the camera angle and stuff is really good. Um, I'm going to keep playing it, but, yeah, I'm going to have to start playing with the motion controls, I think, because that was bollocks. Just going to say. Just going to say that. <laughs> okay, and that is my week. Sorry, that probably took longer than I actually anticipated. So, watching many things playing a bit of this and yeah, just uh, getting COVID shots as well, getting jabbed in the arm. But yeah. So Chris, with that, shall we move into our feature discussion as it were? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think so. And okay. like we said, we're. Oh, I was going to do my intro. There you go. Sorry, Chris. Just wanted to do that. There you go. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, like we were saying earlier, though, we want to just go back and because we know that a lot of our readers have, have joined up following us and reading Mega Visions over the past few years. Maybe you joined on Patreon, maybe you joined at, on Kickstarter. Uh, but a lot of people don't know we've actually been around a lot longer uh, than just these past five years mm-hmm. as we've been doing Mega Visions before then. We were running Sega Nerds, and we actually had several websites even before then, dating back to the early 2000s. And I think it's just a good idea that we sit down and have this kind of discussion where we look back from the very beginning of our timeline running websites up until now, just so we have it for historical purposes. But hopefully it'll be uh, entertaining to a few people out there who've been following us for a few years. Uh, so really, the story, I think, starts back in the early 2000s, uh, whether it was 2000 or 2001. It's a little hazy uh, because a lot of the, the websites are just not around anymore. So it's hard for us to go back and find exact dates on when these things happen. So, for instance, um, let's go to the, the Sega forums, Graham. Can you show us that? Can I? Uh, Here we so, go. Get some twinkly music going. Okay, cool. We transitioned. Lovely. So it starts back at the Sega forums. This iteration is not the same Sega forums that we started on. Uh, it was way different, and there was a few different iterations of, the, of Sega's official forums over the years. But this started back in sometime 2000 to 2001. Mm. I had joined the Air Force in june july of 2000 and that fall i had moved to montana for my first assignment and i remember i was i had lived you know with my parents and everything my whole life and this was the first time i'd really away from from home for the first time and i was really lonely i didn't have a lot of friends out there as montana and uh i i found the sega forums 
And I started making like online friends there. Like for the first time, that's how I was kind of connecting with people and, and making friends, online friends, like for the first time. And eventually as I, you know, started posting and, and meeting new people, I saw that people were kind of creating their own websites. And I started thinking, I was like, that's kind of something that I would be like to do. And in my Air Force career, I was a, a journalist anyway. So I was kind of learning to, to write, even though I was very bad back then. But I was learning to write and I thought it would be fun to take those skills and maybe try to use them for writing about video games. And I, I remember creating a post at some point. It must have been in early 2001 because Sega was still making the Dreamcast at the time. This was before they had discontinued the Dreamcast. And I created a, a, a post saying, hey, I want to create a, a Sega website or a Dreamcast website. Uh, who's with me? And I don't know how many people said that they would be up for helping me out with this website, but I think it was only a handful of people. And I think only you were the one that actually uh, joined and actually helped out at all. Uh, so, Graham, I'll turn it over to you. What do you remember from those early days of our website? Yeah, so I, I here's the thing. So, yeah, as, as Chris says, this is not actually the Sega forums as, in, as such that we were on. This is like a they did update it over time and we can't find the original one. This is all through the Wayback Machine. Um, I believe it was, um, it was in like the Sega gaming chat or something. So they had like, they had split. I thought it was the platform chat. I thought because so you, they did have separate chats, like, yeah, uh, or separate forum areas. So and this, there was one that was a, a, a platform one and it had the Dreamcast sub forum. And that's where yes, I, I think I posted right. a lot. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they, so yeah, after a few years, they did still have the forum platforms. They changed into like Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, and then like, you know, Sega gaming. So yeah, I think it was, I think they had like Dreamcast. I feel like they might have had like Genesis and then they might have retro to other stuff or arcade. Um, sort of, yeah, like sub forums basically. And I was pretty active on the Sega forums back in the day. Um, and I think. God, I'm trying to think. I think my username was Shining Skies after Shining Force and Skies of Arcadia. Um, and Mine was the penal, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a feeling I might have changed the name or changed to, opened a different account after a while because I, I can't remember why. But um, anyway, yeah. So yeah, I was pretty active. I loved the Dreamcast. It's like I was big into Dreamcast at the time. Um, Dreamcast is one of those consoles where... I was of an age where I was getting up to date games because previously to that, I had like a Mega Drive, which I got late in its life and I got a Saturn late in its life. Um, and so I was getting games after the fact, after they were released, like, like a year or two after they were released. So Dreamcast was one of the first consoles I had where it's like Skies of Arcadia is coming out. I'm going to go get Skies of Arcadia and buy it. And I bought it, like buy it on the day it comes out and stuff or, you know, a week after it comes out. So I was getting new games. Um, and, so yeah, I was really active on Sega forums. I was often in the Dreamcast area. And then, yeah, I saw Chris's message pop up saying, hey, anyone want to help me write about games, basically? I want to start a, I want to start a Sega fan site. Um, or I think you might have specifically said a Dreamcast fan site. Um, and I yeah, I, I remember just replying to you. I think I said, hey, I'm interested. I think you DM'd me as well. Um, and then we just got to talking. And I sort of talking about, I think I explained, because I think I was still, still in school at the time. Um, so I was like in like, you're still in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So 
think I was 17 or 18 at the time. So it's like a year or two before I finished high school um, or secondary school, as we call it over here. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. Um, and then there yeah, you, you, we sort of just got to talking and then you, um, I, I don't know if you want to say the next steps, what happened, but basically you created a website. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, I guess we had to come up with a, a name and I do remember there was several different iterations and there was actually, I think we may have had a, we did actually have a couple websites before Dreamcasters, Roman. I don't know if you remember. We had one called, I think, Dreamcast Junkies. Oh. And that rings a bell. The whole idea was that we were addicted to the Dreamcast. And it was, yeah. I, I can't even remember what our tagline was. And this is just now coming to me as I'm, as I'm talking about it. I don't have any idea uh, what the URL was, but we eventually decided on the name dreamcasters realm i don't remember how we did that yeah i but can't remember I rem either how you did that i made all this stuff in like photoshop like 2.0 or something <laughs> back in 2001 <laughs> and i was so terrible and i'm still not good at photoshop i'll admit i'm not good at it and i don't try to be but uh, or claim to be but i did this I, I think i did some sort of internet tutorial on how to make these buttons and stuff and <laughs> it was so bad, but we were using, I want to say it was Microsoft front page to, to build yes. this back in the day. Oh yes. And, times. and that was not fun. We were basically would have to download all the web pages locally uh, and then make your changes. And then you would upload them through the front page uh, program. And that's when it would technically go live. And so, yeah. We we talked about this over the years, but it was always fun because Graham or would would somehow happen to overwrite my files. Uh, he would update it and somehow not download all of the files that I had previously updated, and so he would just kind of rewrote or updated, uh, and which would essentially delete any updates that I had made. So I remember losing whole articles. Because I just wrote them all in front page and, and published them, and I would get so mad. At <laughs> I just didn't like your work, dude. I just, I just wanted to get rid That's of That's probably what it was. <laughs> I, like, oh, I'm sorry. I really don't remember. Here's the thing. I think maybe once I might, once or twice, I might have actually forgotten to download it. But most of the time, because it happened very, it happened a lot more than you might think. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do remember clicking like the download button, and I, I remember, I remember you talking me through, and I was doing exactly what you told me to do. I clicked the download button or whatever, waited for it to download, had the offline version. And the off the thing is the offline version would match what the online version was on my computer. So like, okay, I'm gonna create a new gonna create a new um review, for example. Do my review, upload it, and then suddenly something would just go wrong. Like a, a review would disappear or the buttons would change or something. I think like one time the buttons will resort rechange their order, and I was like, I don't I don't understand. <laughs> like that's and if a lot of times what we did, though, oh. I was just going to say, a lot of times what we did with the layout was just we were basically copying other sites and just seeing what other people were doing. Mm. And we just try to recreate a kind of three-column layout in this, which doesn't look great. But we were, back even back then, we were trying to create content that, you know, you would see on IGN or GameSpy, all that kind of stuff. We were writing reviews on stuff. Graham was writing codes and, and walkthroughs and mm. other sorts of things. And it was just us writing and we didn't really know a lot what we were doing. We were just, 
I mean, look at this. It's just a sea of text. It's terrible. It's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, because we couldn't put images down the middle. We had to have images on the side. And we didn't have capture devices, so we kind of had to, like, find find images, like, from other websites or, you know. Um, the internet was a much different place back yeah, then. Yeah, it was like the Wild uh, West. It was a good time. I loved it. <laughs> like, and look at this. There's a weird space there. Some ma- Mary. Some Mary. <laughs> Um, and wow. so at some point we we went from the Dreamcast was from tripod side and we finally got our own house. So we were like, okay, we need to we need to get off of this free server because we had like a very low amount of data or like uh, server space essentially. Yeah, give us it was like only like ten megabytes or something like that. Um, wasn't a lot. So we decided we need to get out and our own website and i think the first url we ever purchased that was our own was dreamcastersrealm.com and i think Ta-da. we actually have that so this was our first big redesign where we're like okay we, we had a new banner logo we made that main column much more wider that we could have like proper images we actually ended up getting a sponsor from Lixang back in the yeah. day um which I still remember getting that email and yeah. I'm so excited because that was one of the first things we got from like an official company that was like, they want to work with us. It was funny. And then Tell them, you remember Lick St. Graham? Do I? I'm still pissed off at Sony for basically shutting them down. <laughs> if, if, if anyone doesn't know who Lick Sang is, Lick Sang is basically what play Asia is. Um, so if you don't know play, play Asia is an online website that sells, um, uh, video games and sort of, I guess, geeky merchandise and stuff, um, mostly from Japan and sort of China and Asia, basically. And that's basically what Lixang was. And there was a thing that Lixang was selling Bleemcast discs o- on there. Um, and Sony obviously didn't like Bleemcast and went, oh, no, 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 you can't sell that. Please stop. And they sort of sent them a cease and desist letter. And Lixang said, no, no, we're, we're within our right to sell this. It's technically... I think technically it wasn't an illegal product. That was the crazy thing about Bleemcast. It, it it did use the Dreamcast to emulate PlayStation software, but you needed the original software to play the game. So it only just bypasses like the, you know, the I guess whatever locks it out of being able to do that. Yeah, because um, you're not technically downloading or doing any sort of would be traditionally in this piracy. You're you're essentially just bypassing some sort of lockout system to be able to play the software on hardware that it wasn't intended to be used on yeah basically um and i think nick sang basically sort of had had a had legally legally were were within their right to sell it it was a product that was released sony but yeah basically sony took them to court and um they didn't no i don't think anyone lost or won a court case but the problem was that the so this legal fees that were incurred from all the different court cases bankrupted Lixang basically and then after like a few months basically Lixang had to shut doors they basically put up a message saying we're really sorry we literally can't afford to be open anymore which is really sad like you know really really annoying um, in hindsight maybe they just should have not sold the, the yeah I mean, yeah <laughs> I, 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 good for them just standing up to what they believe in and everything and you know standing up for like, they were kind of saying when they were going to stand up for the gamers and stuff saying this is this is fine and but yeah, um, the sadly, they got they got shut down. So yeah, that was really 
really sad because I used to go on there. I used to buy stuff in there. That's where I got my yeah. one of my Dreamcasts from, by the way. Ooh. So I got. I, I oh. used, okay. Anyway, yeah, let's move on from the Dreamcast stuff. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so this was Dreamcasters realm. Uh, hopefully, you'll agree. Are we able to click around to any of the articles there? Let's or find out. The, let's the find out. Looking, it would be fun so, to just kind of take a look through some of this stuff. Let's go to retro. So, oh, oh, I should click some Dreamcast. Ah, whoa. Uh, we've opened up a retro section with nothing in it. <laughs> I well, I mean, it. we opened the section up. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean we have to put anything there. Wow. Keep uh, in mind, this is just one snapshot. So maybe yeah. at some point in the future, we would have done it. <laughs> so I got some stuff about, yeah, um, I've got codes. I feel like, oh, wait, we had, wait. Okay, this is the fun thing. The uh, the menu button seemed to change. I just saw something about saves, and we don't have that anymore. Downloads. Downloads. That's what I wanted, actually. Um, gee, we had, like, Dreamcast save files on here. Do you remember that? I do remember that. How did we save them, though? Where would we get them? How did we... I can't remember. We only seem to have the first A, B, and C, basically. We don't have any more. <laughs> well, I mean, we didn't get that. <laughs> wow. Um... Yeah. My God. This probably would have been about like 2003 to 2004, you think? Graham, if yeah, we had to put a timeline to it. Time. Is there any dates on this stuff that we can see here? Because uh, that's like I was saying, it's really hard to put a date to this stuff. So sometimes yeah. as we get as we get newer, because back then we're still using essentially front page to build this. So we don't have a content management system that automatically puts in different metadata and other things like the date you publish an article or anything. Oh. This is literally us just putting this stuff on there still back then. Yeah. Um, oh, here's my Dreamcast review. Way hey. Ah, see, this, this is a cracking one. Let's see. Does this have a date on it? No. But the this is... What's up, Pajama Torture in the chat? They said, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Hey, we're just going through the history of how we we formed. We're going through one of our old websites, Dreamcasters Realm, that we we started. Um, yeah, and this is like the second iteration. And this is my Dreamcast review. That's a photo of my friend's carpet because I took it to my friend's house and took pictures at his house for some reason. Uh, I used to hang out at his house all the time, and those were the cool controls that came with it, which didn't work on every Dreamcast game, annoyingly, because it didn't have the analog stick. Um, oh. Yeah, they came with like Saturn style controllers, which were great for fighters, but not good for some other games. And it came with a VCD playing device. It basically had this adapter you plugged into the um, controller socket to use a remote. So it's like a infrared remote control thing. And then you put in a special disc, which told the Dreamcast you're going to play a VCD. And then you can watch VCDs. So I could watch some of my Jackie Chan VCDs from Hong Kong, which is great. Um, Fantastic. Um, I used to love trying to use the Dreamcast for all sorts of different little things yeah. like that. I remember getting into VCDs and I had to buy some weird, you know, disc and remote from Hong Kong or some other oh. eBay seller back in the day. Yeah. But no, this is cool. I mean, this was our website. Obviously, we still didn't know what we were doing with the spine or anything like that. <laughs> uh, but we want to say this was like around like this was probably 2004 or so 
And around then, we decided, okay, dreamcastlesrealm.com, that's such a long URL. We want to shorten it up and, and get to something newer. And so that's what we decided. We're going to switch to dcrealm.com. Yeah. And which, that was a new one that we did, which this is cool because this is the first time we went from front page to some sort of content management yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was WordPress back then. It may have just been, I don't know, Drupal. What you remember those weird, all those. Oh weird yeah, Drupal. It might have been Drupal actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, this the problem. The problem is this website didn't really get captured as much by looks of it, and most of it's broken, which is really annoying. Um, what I'm bummed out about is we don't have what the logo was. I would have been yeah. really interested to see what the logo looked like back then, but we still had that blue and gray. Uh, color design and i don't know if we were kind of going for the sega blue or the mm. dreamcast european blue i don't i don't know what we're going for with that but maybe we just thought it looked cool yeah it did look cool look at it it's great it did. <laughs> yeah i'm just throwing some of these links i don't think anything's gonna work unfortunately uh which is sad yeah no you know what, i i didn't realize that we had kept dreamcasters realm going for as long as we did mm. for dc realm i thought that we had I thought we pulled support on that much earlier after Sega discontinued the Dreamcast. I thought it was much earlier than that, but apparently we just kept going for several more years. And it was in 2006, at least based on the first post that we can find on Sega Nerds. Um, I should say back, backing up a minute. I think on this dcrealm.com, one of the other reasons why we decided to change, because I was listening to an old podcast today doing some research on this, and I, I heard on there, I was saying that our host lost some files, and basically, we lost the whole website. Yeah. And I think this is what it was, dcrealm.com. I, I think that's what happened, because... It wouldn't have made sense that our host lost the files before that because we stored them all locally and we would yeah. have been able to restore them. So it, I think it makes sense that DCRealm.com was when we lost it. And I think that may have also been one of the triggers to say, hey, why don't we just now that we have to basically rebuild everything, why don't we build a new site but make it full Sega uh, and we can cover everything? Because back then I was doing I was listening to our first nerdcast episode with graham and it was it was not good it <laughs> was not not good i remember we were so nervous doing those back then oh yeah uh, we would we would have to redo the intro maybe five or six times yeah that was so yeah we just like burst out laughing for no reason we were like okay hey uh, <laughs> just like, start laughing like it's and it's strange because we weren't doing video we were just doing audio but for some reason it just it was just really nerve wracking just trying to record. I mean, like we didn't have any, we didn't really have good microphones either. Like I remember my first one was like, I think I bought a headset and you were like, dude, you sound terrible. So I had to go and buy another headset, um, and that was just a little bit better, but it was a bit rubbish. It's still a bit rubbish. Um, yeah, it's just really weird. And like our audio levels were all off. We had to use Audacity to um, align the um, audio and stuff like that. It was it was it was crazy. It was bad, yeah. but we didn't know what we were doing. And in fact, it, like a lot of this, we were just kind of following and, and seeing what other people were doing, and saying, "Hey, let's you know, let's." I think that would be a fun thing to do. Let's start a podcast. 
and we could talk about Sega news and, and everything else. And that's what really started the Nerdcast and yeah. went on from there. Um, yeah. This was around 2006 when we started the the first Sega Nerds website. Right. Um, so maybe so, we can we, jump over I was into say, that. Before that, yeah. So down at the bottom here, it does actually say copyright 2005 for DCRealm.com. So... And they, ah. so these, these articles, they've got some dates on these articles. So it was late 2005, September. So yeah, that, that, that all tallies up, that tracks that, um, it was around 2006. Wow. And Man, look at this it, is crazy so, because I'm, I'm learning stuff as we go too. This and is apparently awesome. we use Mambo. That was our CMS. <laughs> I do not remember yeah. that. And design page by the Wivel. That was you, buddy. That was you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Oh man, that's so funny. Uh, um, but yeah, so as Crystal mentioned, the hosts lost our files. Something like I think their server crashed, or the server something happened with their server. Yeah. Not all our files were backed up. We lost like loads of data. We lost loads of our um, articles and stuff. Um, so yeah, it got, basically Dreamcasters Realm was like sunk. Basically, we um, it was, it was frustrating. I remember being a frustrating times. We're just like we've done all this work, and now most of it's gone. What do we do? And then, yeah, that's when we decided to look into launching SegaNerds.com. Woohoo! Um, so, yeah, this is... And this isn't actually the original logo. I don't know if you remember, I drew this really bad <laughs> yes. Sonic. Yes. And I think I actually had Caitlin draw it, maybe. Maybe she ended up drawing it. I, it was just this really bad drawing. I thought maybe making it look really bad would make it look funny. And then I just... I think I... I traced over it and I scanned it in and that was our first logo for Sega yeah, Nerds for do maybe a couple of months until we got something a little more uh, professional. Yeah. And we were talking earlier and I'm trying to remember who it was that made this banner logo and it's escaping me, but really they were remember. part of our team for a minute and we're going to talk about more of the people who, who helped along the way. Some of the team members, we're going to get into that in a little bit. Because there's a lot of people to, to talk about that helped and were part of Sega Nerds and DC Realm and Megavisions throughout the years. But this was our, our big jump into, into all of Sega. And it's really what jump-started us to growing our website into something really big. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, we were just creating daily content. Basically, at this point... We finally, I think, started creating uh, or forming a relationship with Sega's PR company. Yes. Uh, I remember reaching out to them and saying, hey, you know, we we're, we're have this new website. We want to cover Sega. Uh, you know, please send us, you know, news or whatever. And I just remember back then it was really hard <laughs> to get them to kind of take you serious uh, because it seemed, you know, they have all these fan sites and other other kids or people that, are just trying to get free games or whatever else. So I just remember it was always hard at first trying to forge those relationships with the PR or community team at Sega and just get them to take us seriously. But I think eventually as we just continued, all we just kept writing news and opinion pieces and things like that. And eventually we started carving out a, you know, a decent readership that people would come in and read us every day. So Chris, I think I've just found the original post. Um, because we've got a grand opening, Sega's grand opening, no an Xbox 360 with Fantasy Star Universe, and that was actually in October 2006. So it's still 2006. But wow. Um, oh, that wasn't the first post. Really? Oh, okay. there's, there's a couple more. Oh, oh okay. that's weird. Uh, 
Oh, so I thought the first post was uh, July 11th. Is according to what I saw earlier. I thought oh, that was really? the first post. Oh, okay. That's weird. No, okay, that's not working. Um, that's strange. Is that okay. the kid from uh, from Pet Cemetery right there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Um, what is the headline of that? What is that? Pig Boy Lens Voice in Charlotte <laughs> Charlotte's Web Video Game. <laughs> what? Oh god. <laughs> I wrote the headline. Can we read that? <laughs> Is that the? I think that's the full article. I'm not sure. Um, oh my god! What? Oh, Pink hey Skyro. <laughs> Apparently, pet se- hashtag pet hey. cemetery is trending. Interesting. Oh, that's because they're releasing the new movie, aren't they? Um, anyway, yeah. So, oh, oh that was, my god! So, let's, Sega's just announced Dominic Scott K. That guy. Yeah, the the one and only. Who voices Wilbur in the upcoming Charlotte we- Charlotte's Web movie? Will add his vocal talents to the movie's video game adaptation, which will be released for the Nintendo DS and PC November fourteenth. I love video games, and I'm really excited to have my voice in Charlotte's Web," said Kay. "I think it's so cool that the first game I've ever worked on is based on a story that everyone loves. I can't wait for it to come out so I can so that I can play it with my friends and family." Wow! He never played it. Wow! God, I wrote that. You wrote it. <laughs> Posted by Chris. Oh, I think I do remember it. Oh, God dang it. Uh, oh, and this was the other one. Sorry for calling it a big boy. It's probably not very nice. Which so, one? yeah, this this is just transition oh, okay. to the no, other one. Okay, logo. so this is this right. We're not here yet in the timeline. You've gone yeah. too far, Well, uh, so all, I did was cl- all I did was click on the link. That's all I did. I just clicked on the link. I know. And I saw <laughs> when you did it, but I just I went along with it. So this is still... This was still the first iteration of Sega Nerds. Uh, yeah. And I don't think we were even using WordPress yet, or maybe it was the very first. Yes, it this was, was WordPress, WordPress, I believe. Yeah, this was yeah. like WordPress one point something. It was very, very early on. And I remember this was before WordPress even had automatic updates to it. So back then you had to manually update. Oh, that. yeah. And and one of our writers back then uh, was Nathan Sweet, who he yes. was he was one of the founding members of Sega Nerds. He was there from the beginning. Uh, he may have been there with DC Realm too. And he was also one of the the original hosts of the Sega Nerdcast from you know way back in in the day. But Nathan was funny. He was the only one on the team at the time it was only like three or four of us, I think, but he was the only one that actually knew how to update WordPress. And I had no idea. <laughs> so I would always have to ask him, I'm like, Nathan, dude, can you, uh, can you update it? Can you update the site? And he would just be like, Oh God. And so I'm sure it's super annoying. Uh, but he was the only way to do it. And so now it's super easy. I don't have to bother Nathan anymore because WordPress will do it for me. Uh, but it was, it was funny. Nathan was, uh, was great. We nicknamed him bare hands. Oh yeah. When, <laughs> When we do the podcast, you hear like constantly type. I'm like, mute your microphone. Are you muting? But it was funny that he would constantly do that, and he was he was he was funny, man. I I enjoyed working with Nathan. He was a he was a good writer. He did a lot of great work for us over the years, and I, I mean, I think that. I think Nathan went to this press junket for us one of these times. I think. Yes. Universal yeah. War. Yeah. Talk about that. Do you remember that? So I vaguely remember. Cause I, re- I remember that was one of the, I don't know if it was the first. I remember I actually went to a few things in London for Sega, um, which was really cool. 
Um, but that was definitely one of the early ones, I think. It's basically Sega reached out and sort of said, hey, we like your stuff. We'd, we're going to do this um, proper, like, you know, press, press, um, press events, um, getting some journalists in. Would you like to join them? Um, over it's somewhere in America, I can't remember where it was. It, but I remember, I think Nathan had to buy. I want to say it was Arizona. No, right. they paid for his plane ticket. Oh yeah, I got, oh they paid for his plane ticket. Brilliant. Yeah, so I remember he had to catch a plane because, because yeah, he had to get on the plane. But that was yeah. the big thing. Is we felt like, oh my god, this is like the first legit thing that we're able to go do. Sega's going to pay for it, and I think they paid for his plane ticket. I think they paid for his hotel and everything and he went yeah. and did this cool thing i don't know if that's on the, the website somewhere but it might um, be if, if i click on nathan that was find his stuff oh you can't okay but that know. was that's that cool. was pretty funny um but yeah because um yeah and if you don't know universal war was a real-time strategy game that sega was making which was like a first of its kind because basically it used vertical like he used the vertical axis as well as horizontal um, to for um, troops and stuff to move around in. So troops could sit on buildings. You could go underground and stuff. Like the levels were multi-tiered, and the, depending on where you placed your troops, it had different effects. And like some troops could like use, I think they could use jetpacks to go up higher and stuff like that. It was I thought it was a really cool game and concept. Um, but yeah, is this on here? I don't think it is actually. Wing. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to be. So as we keep going, cool. Let's keep going. What's yeah. that? Oh no, I was just going to say it's not, yeah, it's so, not really here. <laughs> so we're still around 2006, 2007 at this time. Um, I want to hmm. say this was this was like the first iteration of Sega Nerds, right? This one right here. I think so. It's definitely an early one. It's definitely an early iteration. Um, I can't. So maybe we could go to like the the big. The, let's let's go to the next one. Like I guess this would be Sega Nerds 2.0, which is the 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 redesign. So okay, I just clicked you on were on this, earlier. This is the forums, by the way, just so you know. Um, and they're they're looking a bit dead, but they were good. They were so active what, at the what time. Forums, uh, this was Sega Nerds forums. Is the your is the was it, were, did we host those or was that hosted elsewhere? So this was, I believe this was hosted on SegaNerds.com. Yeah, SegaNerds.com forward slash forums is what the thing was. Although, um, this is, okay, this is, actually, I think this is a different version because we had way more than 38 registered users. We had thousands of users. So It could have been early on. I I mean, there's no telling when that snapshot was taken. Okay, fair enough. Um, Right, let's let's move on. Uh, Oh, God. Where's... So at this time, we knew that we wanted to have get a redesign done, and we were working. I can't remember his name. Uh, I was telling you before uh, that he and his girlfriend did a a say or Sonic Kickstarter for a Sonic comic a few years ago, and I, I reconnected with them, and we actually had them on the Nerdcast uh, to promote that back then, and we talked about this, which was really cool. So hmm. I, I didn't get a chance to look that up, but anyway. Uh, he had been working on this for a very long time, and uh, I this was yeah this was the, the the I think the second iteration that we had done, and this was I think the web the the, the layout in the design that is most, most iconic to Sega Nerds for the like this early version of Sega yeah. Nerds. Uh, this is the one that I think helped us when we started getting really big. 
and more popular uh, at this time. We're getting just, a lot of hits, a lot of traffic. I've just remembered this is the third iteration, because I don't know if you remember, there was that company that kind of brought us onto their platform before the cartel. There's another one. I can't remember what they're called now, though. Damn it. Oh. Oh, yeah. I thought that was, oh, man, you know what? Yeah. Uh, shoot. I completely forgot about that, too. Yeah. Um, oh. So That's gonna around come this head. time, and I'll, I'll keep thinking, hmm. and maybe it'll come up to us. So around this time, and actually before this, we should back up to, but this is probably 2000 and what, what, six, 2007. And our, our hosting fees were getting considerably higher because we were getting a lot of traffic and we were getting hosts that told us that we couldn't be on their platform. They wouldn't host us anymore because we were just taking up too much space and uh, the bandwidth was too much because of our traffic. And so we ended up getting booted from several hosts. And finally, one was like, okay, we'll put you on, but you have to have, be on like a virtual server. And it was going to be like over $100 a month or something crazy, which back then was a lot of money. Mm. And I didn't have the kind of money back then being like an E2 or E3 in the Air Force. So, uh, so we were looking for different opportunities to join a kind of a, a web blog, I guess, or a, a web network, a blog network is what they were doing back then. And we found this one that offered us to bring us onto their platform. And they were paying out some decent amount of money for putting ads and things. And Graham, you're right. They brought us on there. And this was like one of the big first big things in Sega Nerds history that the community was really not happy about. Like we had a lot of people that were not happy that we did this and they were pissed. Um, and this was before, I think before that. And I don't know how long we stayed on there. Maybe it was a year or two. It was a decent while. I remember being a decent while. I think the community, the community in the end didn't hate it. I think there was, there was better backlash initially, but then they, they grew to have, to be fine with it but then but the thing was i think we because we had adverts you know sort of google google style adverts down like between articles and stuff people weren't super happy about that um I, in my head they've got the word five in it or the number five in their name for some reason don't know why um i think you're right but yeah that's really that's gonna bug me but yeah we don't have that version the, that version doesn't seem to be archived on the internet which is really annoying um but I, I just wanted to highlight. And I remember something. another good thing about them too is that they offered us tech support, which yes. is another big thing because we didn't have graphic artists, and they did. We didn't have any anyone that you know other than Nathan who would complain every time I asked him to update the website um, or WordPress, and so it, it just it was almost out of necessity if we wanted to keep running we had to figure out something yeah. and we knew it wasn't a popular decision and people were not happy but we had to do it and we were there for about a year or so and over that time i remember they kept changing things in the back end yeah uh they they went from this one article or uh, ad uh software that and then they changed it to something different, but they said that it was supposed to be more accurate for what the, the traffic that we're getting. And our traffic stats dropped tremendously after that, which was bull crap. 
Mm. because I still saw the traffic that we're getting from, you know, our host before that. It just didn't match up at all. Yeah. And it just, we were starting to get less and less money. It just didn't make any sense. So at some point, I don't know when this would have been. What's the first date on that, Graham? Well, up here, it's talking about like I, th- February, I think we may have imported all of our content to that website too. Yeah. So I think we're able to get our content back. And so it mu- this must have been 2007 or so, 2008, yeah, maybe. Something like that. Yeah, 2000. We I think finally had, yeah, we finally got this design finished. And so we left um, that one web ring or web blog network. And we jumped to, I guess this would be Sega Nerds 3.0. Yeah. At this point, this would be Sega Nerds 3.0, which is, I think, the most iconic design that we had back then. Uh, it was Sega Blue. We had a Sega logo in there back before Sega cared that you did that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was fun. I mean, we had uh, a blast doing this. Um, I think we should talk a little bit more about some of the people who helped us along the way. And so we talked about Nathan. I, I, was, another I, just, wanted, person. I just wanted to make a comment about one thing. Sorry, because I saw this pop up. This shows, shows the age of where we were in the time of the internet, because one of these articles, I had to use Google video, not YouTube, but Google video to upload a, an interview that I did because it was too long for YouTube. Because YouTube only did up to like 10 minutes or something at the time and this was longer than 10 minutes i don't even remember google video I, so yeah before before youtube existed there was google video and youtube was a completely separate company wasn't owned by google it was its own thing and so yeah google, and google video is pretty cool because you could download from google video and stuff and they also didn't really care about licensing laws because i remember seeing some movies up on there that you could just watch for free it was great um good times and then yeah eventually google bought youtube but they kept google video going for a while longer and it was better for uploading though, because you could actually have like hours of video content on there. They didn't care about the length, but as YouTube did. Um, and yeah, so I remember, I remember I had to upload a, a, a Google video basically for this interview, which is dead now. I tried clicking on it earlier. It just doesn't exist. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, we wanted to ask some of the staff, the, 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 the team we worked with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do we have a staff link on there? We do. Let's see if this works. This may break. Let's see if it'll work. It'll probably break. Hey. Oh, there we go. So here we go. We've got some of the staff here, I think. Uh, yeah, don't know if I that's I think the not... next person we need to talk. I was going to say, this isn't the full list. We did have more people come join us later on and stuff, but yeah, yeah. okay. I think the next person we should talk about is George. Yeah, so where George? George, I don't remember at what point George joined the Sega Nerds team, but he was, I want to say, I mean, he was probably one of our original members. I mean, you have to yeah, uh, put him in there with, you know, me, you, and the rest of the guys that helped Nathan. And I think George, it was probably me, you, Nathan, and George at the beginning. Uh, and he came on, I don't know how he came on. I think he was just a reader and joined the, the forums. And I think we were just looking for more writers. Mm. And George was awesome because he came on and the dude was just like, he put out so much content. He would just yeah. write, write, write. And he was really good. I remember he was, I want to say he was the one that first started the Sega Nerds uh, Twitter account. Oh, he Back might. when, Ooh. I think he was. And that was one of the first w- times we started using like Twitter to 
uh, tweet news and things like that. I think a lot of that was George. And I think George was the first Sega Nerds member to attend E3 on behalf of the team. I, I remember him going there, and um, we probably have some of his content still there for E3 mm. on the website and stuff too. But no, George was really good. He he ended up becoming part of the Nerdcast uh, at some point. I don't remember yeah. when, but it probably wasn't too long after it started. And he was with us uh, for a really long time. And at some point, I guess we're not there in the timeline yet, but he and George, or he and Ryan, I want to say, uh, Ryan, uh, why am I, his name on here? Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. Somehow it was, oh, there it is. Yeah, him and Ryan uh, went and made Sega Bits, and, you know, they went that way with there. Uh, but Ryan was another one that joined early on, and I think he was our former member. And Ryan, he's, he's, I think he's English too, right? He yeah, he, on. he lives in a, um, an island off the coast of the UK called Jersey, which is it's like a UK, yeah. a British island, basically. Yeah, so he's English. Um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a good guy. Um, I remember we used to call him... Ryan the, is... We, we used to say he was the most handsome Sega nerd or something, because he was a good-looking dude. That was James. No, Ryan was that also... Was good, I remember Ryan being a good-looking dude as well. I, re- I reckon there was a fight between... Like, well, not a fight. I reckon there was a debate between who was the best-looking <laughs> one, because James is also very good-looking, you're correct. Um, I remember introducing James as the best-looking Sega ooh, nerd. On I'm pretty sure I said that At least two Ryan. different occasions. Oh, okay. I've said that about Ryan as well, so... Uh, anyway, we you go for James, I'll Maybe go for Ryan. Maybe we have just different tastes. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we don't all have to like the same person. It's fine. Um, no, no, you know what? I think you know what? I'll say this, Graham. I know that you apparently have something wrong with James, but I think Ryan is is, is still a handsome guy too. Yeah, they're they're all handsome people. Let's let's go with that. What I will say about Ryan is, I think he had an awesome, weird sense of uh, humor that he was able to translate into his articles. And if you read some of his content from back then, we were just talking about it earlier, that I think what really helped us uh, kind of carve and build a readership was we just had a a good sense of personality in all of our our articles. And it was back before we cared about whether Sega was going to get mad at us or we were going to other people mad at us. And I'm not making any sort of, you know, commentary on if people are you know whatever nowadays it's just we just didn't care about making sega mad really and that's all we you know did we were just doing it to have fun i think ryan was really good ryan pushed the envelope a lot yeah he would always try to do that uh which ended up coming to kind of bite us all in the butt because uh i don't know maybe Graham, you could uh tell this story about what ended up happening oh, god yeah. Ryan finally got us a little bit of hot water with sega so yeah, that I can't actually remember the full exact details. So forgive me um, uh, if I get any of this wrong. But from memory, Ryan, I can't remember if it was actually on our forums, if it was on the Sega forums. But Ryan started getting really annoyed about some decisions that Sega had made, and like he was going. I think he went off on a massive rant, but kind of like was swearing and stuff. And Sega, it just really pissed off Sega America and Sega Europe. And they knew that Ryan worked for Sega Nerds and they basically sort of approached us and sort of said, you, we're not going to work with you basically if, if Ryan, if Ryan keeps doing this basically. And we had to, I think we had to give Ryan a warning and sort of say, dude, you got to calm down. And 
from memory. I think what happened was I, I thought what happened was we said that he had to make an apology. Oh, and yeah, we told that him it? that he was going to have to apologize to Sagan. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I think he was like, "No, I'm not going to do that." Yeah, uh, and we're like, "Oh, okay. Uh, I guess that's it then." And I think that's. I think I, that might be what it, what happened. Um, and in hindsight, man, I you know, like, there's a lot of things, and I'll be honest, like as we go on, like there was a lot of mistakes that we made over the years. Oh um, yeah. If going back, there was a lot of things I wish. Um, that we could do differently with with certain decisions and things like that, and especially with certain people, and Ryan being one of them. Um, I think if I could go back and do that and handle that differently, I, I definitely would oh, yeah. have. Um, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't the first time we had, a, you know, an issue with Sega and, and things like that. So yeah. we were trying to, and I think Sega even called me personally about that. And I think I had to like talk to one of Sega's uh, reps about yes. this issue and they were I, not happy about it. I also got a call from Sega Europe as well. That was the thing I got. I, we both got communicated by the two, like Sega mm-hmm. and Sega Europe. And yeah, they had a good, I remember having a good long discussion. It was just like, cause I, I think I was trying to defend Ryan. So saying it's his, it's his own personal views. It's hard. Cause I think it wasn't mm-hmm. on Sega. I think it was on the Sega forums. I was like, it's, I on, believe you're right. it it's was. on your forums. I mean, it's a public forum. Um, and it's his, 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 his views and stuff. And they were just like, yeah, we can't, we can't have people who think like that or act like, I can't remember, I can't remember the exact words, but people know it was that just, we work it was, with you I and think, stuff sort of thing. You, you, in effect, in, in, in effect, I think we were kind of semi-representing Sega in a way and like the Sega community. Um, cause this, this is a thing that a lot of people don't realize at the time we were the biggest Sega fan site in the world. Um, we had millions, oh, we actually was, had no, millions of readers and viewers. We were, yeah. yeah, like I think, oh, I can't remember his name now. Um, one of our, the, one of our final hosts that we had, he, um, he told me the stats and we were getting something, which back in the day, especially for us fans, like, was massive. We we're getting something like 750,000 unique views a month and nearly 3 million, like 2.8 million, um, page views a month, which, I mean, compared to IGN, there's small fish, but um, for a Sega fan site, that was massive back then. And that's why we kept we on talking doing... to our hosts and stuff, because we had so many page views and stuff. Um, it was nuts. Um, but yeah. Um, I think another person we we could talk about real quick, because he was in this era, um, before we move on to kind of the next <laughs> version, is James. Because we, oh, yeah. we talked about him a, a minute, but James... Uh, and I've always messed up his last name. To- Tokio. To- oh, is it Tokio? I don't think that's how you pronounce it. I go Tokio. Tokio, but um, we've only been knowing him for about fifteen years, Graham. Now, so anyway, I, I, but James I've been is- to do for years. <laughs> uh, I, anyway. I still I, I play games with him every once in a while. Do still. you? Oh, so, oh, he hasn't yeah, called he's me. Still, <laughs> <laughs> James is awesome. He's been around for a long time, um, and. He is, I guess, his claim to fame within the Sega Nerds uh, history and his kind of where he put his stamp is he was the one that came up with the name during the uh, Sonic, uh, what was the name of it? It was the Bioware developed Sonic RPG. Yeah, so, so Sonic Chronicles. Um, have we got that? Have we actually got a review on here? Um, Sonic Chronicles, here we go. Wow, look at all those games we reviewed back then. Yeah, we did a lot of reviewing back then. Um, I bet you reviewed that one, Graham. 
Sonic Chronicles, yeah, I did, because I, I actually went to the press events and stuff for this one. Um, yeah, I do remember and, that. Oh, damn it. Don't have the pictures. Well, let me keep going. I'll keep yeah, talking about it. it, because Sega, in the lead-up to this, uh, they had this cool community event where they invited like maybe four or five different of the bigger Sega community sites to put in a name uh, that would be the final name for kind of the alien race that was going to be in this, in this game that was going to be like the dark, was it the dark brotherhood or whatever? Uh, so, um, well, the, I thought it was called Sonic Chronicles, dark brotherhood. Yes. Yeah, so the alien race wasn't called the dark brotherhood. Um, I know. But, yeah. I know but yeah, so it's basically they, they, yeah, there's they Bioware and Sega had created a new alien race. Um, they, they actually showed the different sites um, a silhouette image of what the alien race would roughly look like. And they gave a description of that. It was, they were like surrounded by, I think there's electricity or ice or something, some sort of element that they sort of used, but we didn't get to see an actual final image until the game was released, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, we were one of those websites that they sort of invited to sort of um, for this competition, but effectively, um, to, for um, for uh, one for one website to name this new alien race that was going to be in the Sonic um, Chronicles universe because the, the idea was they were going to plan multiple Sonic Chronicles games um, and yeah so we were one of those one of those, those websites and we we came up with a name um, which was we had a bunch of names yeah. that we were we were, were putting around in our our forum like we had a staff forum yeah and. Each of us came up with a name. I think internally we voted, and James came up with uh, the Zoa, which mm-hmm. is what the, the one of the forests uh, areas in Panzer Dragoon Saga. So it's it's uh, yeah in in Panzer Dragoon Saga there's a town and a forest called Zoa. So it's the town of Zoa and the forest of Zoa. Um, and it actually kind of kills me a little bit today that James came up with that because Panzer Dragoon Saga is my favorite game, and it just didn't twig in my brain that that's a cool name to call like this an alien race um i think i was going off like the idea of they were using electricity so i was like electro people or something shit like that it was rubbish <laughs> why i came out of it. um but yeah james came up with this idea and i think internally we all went that's a good idea let's go with that i i seem to remember out of all the ones that was like hands down the best one. Oh yeah easily and, yeah and it was fun because it became this whole community thing because sega would uh launch this poll and people could just go and vote. And so it's basically all the Sega sites were like, go and vote for us. And it just became this fun thing. And we ended up winning it. And that was really cool. And we got our, our website is in the credits of that game. And it's because of James uh, idea. So I think that's a really cool bit of Sega nerds history. And, you know, James hundred percent came up with that name. So, uh, that was James. Uh, and I want to say he is still doing stuff these days. He just launched a a new uh, Instagram, I guess, social media account called GG Dreamcast. And Ooh. he streams and even has a store where you can go buy Dreamcast games. I just saw that he posted today that he listed a bunch of new complete really in good condition Dreamcast game. So I don't know his URL. I should know that. It's uh, Google GG Dreamcast on Instagram. And, cool. uh, or search for that. 
So just so you know, up, up on the screen, I've actually got one of the artwork pieces for the Zoa from Sonic Chronicles. And what we were shown was this, all this detail was like all blacked out basically on the screen. So it was all blacked out, but the electricity parts were sort of kind of displayed. So that's all we saw. So we didn't actually know what they would really look like. We just knew they had like electricity around them and they were formed of electricity. And annoyingly, I cannot find, uh, this, I actually had a screenshot of our name, the credits in the game, which, just aren't on this on this version anymore, sadly, which is a bit a bit annoying. I've uh, got to pee really bad. Can you just keep scrolling through the uh, the website for like a minute <laughs> while I go? Go for it. Go for We've it. We've been streaming now for about an hour straight. So. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Some people stream longer, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can find it because I think Sega.com still is actually active. We're going for the way back when machine, so that's not very good. But, um, yeah. So yeah, effectively we had. Um, yeah, that was like a that's like a big. Oh, I think that was a big important piece of history for us um, that we were able to do that, and it was really cool that Sega sort of introduced like let us um, let us be part of that, um, and it sort of showed that how big our community was at the time that we were able to win this competition because there was like there's like four or five big Sega websites that are all involved. There was Sonic Stadium. Um, oh god, I think TSSZ might have been involved. I'm not sure on that one. Um, there's the one that Kevin Eva, who was actually a community manager at Sega, was running as well. He he's he was involved in it. Um, yeah, sadly I can't actually remember. Yeah, I can't remember all the all the websites, but um, yeah, it was a really cool really cool time for us. Um, I'm actually just trying to find if I can find the review on because SegaNerds.com is still actually active. Um, I'm just trying to find the the actual review, but I can't seem to find it, which is a bit annoying. Um, never mind. Uh, Headset thinking, oh, uh, that'll work. <laughs> One of the things I want to say, uh, I, you went too far, Graham. I went too far? What? what you You're mean? on the wrong website. Oh, I'm, I'm looking. It's okay. I'm, uh, I'm not sharing it with the, 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 the audience at the moment. I'm looking at, I'm just trying to find the image of that thing, but our search isn't working properly. No, it's not there. Never mind. It's not there. That's annoying. Um, keep talking, Chris. Keep talking. Graham. Um, so I was going to come in. Oh, one of the fun, fun things that I remember from back then, too, was getting emails from people who thought that we were Sega. And so we would get these emails that from fans that wanted us to make different games. Like we would get make a new Streets of Rage game or why did you do this with Sonic and all this funny, funny stuff. And it's amazing how many people actually thought that we were somehow uh, Sega, but that happened a lot throughout the years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was actually kind of funny actually. <laughs> um, Cause yeah, we'd, we'd have to be like, we, we, we can't do this or we just sort of, I think a couple of times we played along. We're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll do that for you. No. Nope. <laughs> um, I want to, okay. Do you remember? Okay. So around this time we were back. Have, we were, I think having issues again, with hosting and paying for our, our, our provider because at this point our traffic had that thing skyrocketed up even further yeah and we were having a hard time we weren't making money like there was no monetization there was really google ads wasn't around we just didn't have a way to yeah figure out how to make money on the website and it got to this point where 
uh, what was his name? I'm forgetting his name. The guy from at, at the time he was working for Sega as, yeah. like, in a, in a, as a consultant. Was it something Lee something? I feel like he had Lee as a middle name. Yes. I think that was his. What was it, his last name? Dang, it was, I think it may have been his last name. Something, something Lee. And, dang, I can't. <laughs> um, and he was working at. Like like I said, as like a consultant in a way, and he was during it. He w- was trying to help Sega build its community better and, and, and improve their relationship with the community and that sort of thing. He approached us about becoming kind of Sega's quasi unofficial blog at the time, and. Uh, I talked. I since then I did go and, and talk. I've talked to some other Sega PR people who were around at that time. I won't say any names, but they said that even back then that guy was like full of crap. So I will say that. I don't. I don't remember. I do remember who said it, but I won't say that person's name. So who knows what he was telling us at that point, if it was true or not? I I've just remembered his name. By the way, what? Go ahead, John Lee. John Lee, yeah. I, John I, for Lee, some yeah. reason, I kept wanting to say Jim, and I knew we certainly weren't working with Jim Lee uh, back then. <laughs> uh, yeah, John Lee was his name, and so he started with Sega for a minute, and then he, I guess, that was over, and obviously, nothing happened with us becoming like Sega's blog. And what ended up happening after that is he created his own blog network called the cartel. And I want to say at the time he had told us that he had signed several other big websites. Yeah. Was it to contracts? Was it Silicon era or someone like that? Some big comp, some big website. No, Silicon era was part of the other one that oh, like, okay. or whatever, or whatever that blog network was, but there was, <laughs> I think there was a big Nintendo site, Nintendo Joe, maybe, or someone, one of the other ones that he was saying. So he had like three or four big sites that he was, uh, he, he had told us that he had basically signed as part of this deal. Okay. Yeah. And what are you I, doing? Where are we? Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. There's the, the show audience isn't seeing what I'm doing, by the way. I, I bet. Um, Akira, Akira Blade just dropped a link to a, fan-made Sega Rally game, which I was kind of just bringing up because that sounds pretty damn interesting. Um, sorry. I did talking. watch. I see the video of that. Um, you were distracting me. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Where were we at? <laughs> uh, you were talking about uh, the um, the cartel, like uh, telling us about they're bringing on some pretty decent-sized um, other gaming blogs and stuff. So... What turned out to happen once we ended up signing and bringing our content over to him is I think we were basically the only ones. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, uh, the community was not happy. Yeah. Um, they were pretty upset by joining that. Um, and again, I mean, I wish that we had other things. And I don't, honestly, I don't know if I had any other. I didn't have the money to keep it running. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And no and no one else did. And no one else was offering up to help pay for the hosting fees. 
And yeah, so it was on me and I couldn't do it anymore. It was it, so yeah, this this I think this was like the the start of the fall of Sega Nerds, basically, because um us moving to the cartel really pissed off a lot of the community. Um they thought we were setting out because the idea was that the the idea behind the cartel was quite a good one, quite a decent vision, but it just didn't wasn't what was you know written on the wall basically. It was just like um they were sort of saying how like um uh, our community could like earn rewards and even games and stuff by posting and commenting on stuff, like posting in the forums, things like that. They could earn these like points um that would they would then be able to like spend to buy you know, to buy games uh, or win games as well, like each month and stuff like that. Um, and we would, we'd have our hosting fees basically paid for. And we'd also, in theory, we'd be able to earn some money from like adverts and stuff. But so, yeah, it seemed that we would, we'd sold out. That's what the community thought we were trying to get money. But the problem was, as Chris said, our hosting fees on the previous platform were just way too much. Chris was paying for it. Thank you, Chris. Um, I was in a dead end job with, which was basically minimum wage and still living with my parents. I could not actually afford anything at the time like i could barely afford to go to like some of the press events i went to for sega and things like that because they, mm-hmm. they didn't always unfortunately they didn't always pay for your your travel um but yeah just they even just trapped like trying to get to some of these events was a lot of work and a lot um, of this too was that was we realized that we realized that we wanted to be able to to go and cover these things but we were limited because we just didn't have money so yeah another, i think another reason was thinking okay we could generate money which we could then use to help pay for people to go. And in mm-hmm. fact, I think we back on that first web network that we were part of, I think we used that money to help pay George, for George to go to E3. I think we were able to pay for his like, yeah, gas, like his mother stuff. It wasn't yeah. a lot of money, but I remember it being kind of cool that we were paying, you know, money yeah. that we were making was helping to go and do stuff. So that was a good feeling. Yeah. And we wanted to be able to do more of that. And we were just, held back a little bit from that standpoint so and there, there, another issue was that um i mean you were moving back from guam at the time you're moving back to america i think i think um you know um people had people had family issues um i, I was sort of stuck in a dead-end job but other people were going to college in america because we started this like when we were pretty young and some of the staff were mm-hmm. pretty young though they'd, or they're finishing college and they were getting proper jobs and they didn't have the time anymore so our staff were starting to dwindle. We weren't being able to I remember post- what it was. I was deploying. I was deploying in oh. 2007 or 8. Yeah. And to Guam. Oh, no, to, to Qatar. Uh, Qatar, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And I was going to be gone for six months. And I was like, I I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. Like, I don't know if I'm going to have internet. I don't know what I could do. And at the time, I was also writing for 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 playstation fanboy you remember like the joystick yeah. blogs i was doing that too and so i had to quit that as well um so that was um that was kind of some, that sucks but so you're right yeah there was a lot of just for everyone's like i was going through a divorce as well around that whole time frame and i was i you know you're you're right like everyone had a lot going on in their lives and i think it was just this time where uh, we decided that we were just going to, I think, I think we just let John hold on to the cartel for, or on the cartel. It just stayed there for a long, for a number of years. Yeah. Cause he, he basically hosted it. I think that he got some other people to update it briefly, but this was around the time that basically after the cartel, um, I, I, I remember I had to get another job. I had to get a job at a place called Curry's, which is like a, 
what's it, I'm trying to think of a comparison, like a JB, I oh, know, not JB Hi-Fi, that's Australian. Um, what's, you, uh, a face that sells electronics and stuff in, in America. Best Buy. What's that? Best Buy. Yeah. It's basically, I worked in a Best Buy, basically. So I wasn't getting paid much. Um, there's a place called Curry's over here. So I was selling like laptops and stuff. Um, you know, basically minimum wage sort of work. It was fine. It was a job. I, I, it, was, it was good. But yeah, I, all my time was taken up and energy was taken up by doing this job, which was happening on weekends and stuff as well. Um, and so, and because we were losing staff members because of other life issues and stuff, it came down to, I think, I think it's basically just me and George towards the end who were just working on the site George clearly wasn't happy with it um, because of the changes. It wasn't as good. We didn't have as much control over how things looked and things like that. Um, I think the forums weren't as good as well. And so, yeah, and I I actually put, put a lot of the blame on myself here because I feel like I wasn't, probably wasn't communicating as well as I was to, should have been to George. I should have been better, in better communication with him. I think I, I think I kind of knew that he had sort of some doubts about it, but at the time... I, there was no other op, there was no other option really because we, we I couldn't afford to run it. Chris was deploying abroad, um, and um, so yeah. If if George ever listens to this show, apologies, George. I'm really sorry, buddy. But effectively, he he and a couple of other people in the community decided they weren't happy with the way Sega Notes had gone. They wanted to start their own sites. They started Sega Bits, and Ryan, I believe Ryan was one of them. Ryan Thomas, George, George. Yeah, because I think at this time too they around that time or a little bit before that George and Ryan started their own, like, uh, like a community podcast. It was like the second sure. podcast that we had yes. on Sega Nerd. And so they had started kind of collaborating on stuff mm. even before that. So it made, you know, it made sense yeah. you know, for them to kind of go and start their own thing, I guess. Yeah. I think some of the community joined them in creating Sega bits and stuff. And, um, yeah. So is that, I guess it's out of frustration that Sega bits was formed and Sega bits is now one of the, the don- dominant Sega fan sites out there, which is, which is really good for them, actually. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's sad that Sega notes kind of went down, but, um, good, good for them. I, I know we've got a bit of history with, with some of the people over there, but it's, uh, I, I guess we could talk about that in a bit if you want to, Chris, or we could leave it. Yeah. But, um, so this was, I, I wish we had that, uh, cartel. Wait, we do have, but this is the cartel. Have, is this it? This, this is, is the, the cartel. cartel. Okay. So this is all broken. Yeah. Or, uh, as you can see from the way back when machine, it looks a little bit better than this, but it still wasn't that great. <laughs> um, so that's uh, the forum, though, right? Is no, this that, is this is, is the, the main. This is the main site. Okay, I'm looking at it on a small thumbnail on my phone. Oh, okay. So no, this is the main you, site. It's all broken. We can't really see anything. Uh, <laughs> let's see if I can go to another page. Full of Google video embeds that don't work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Is this going to work? Is this going to break? It's probably going to break. So, yeah. so this must have been, this. so it would have been like this for about five years or maybe four years uh, because it would have been, I think 2012 or so was when we started talking about coming back and relaunching it. Right, Graham? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, I can't actually remember exactly when it was. Um, yeah, this is well, sorry. Just the the web page loaded. Uh, yeah, this is it's not really loading properly. So, um, so yeah, we we that's so, fine. Let's go to the Stickers yeah. four Okay. Yes. So after after a few years of of, of being offline, um, Chris sort of 
Chris was back in the America properly. I think I was in a slightly better paid job. Like, you know, uh, things were working out a little bit better. And um, Chris was like, hey, should we bring back Sega nerds? And I think I was at a point in my life where I was like, yeah, kind of miss doing it and stuff, all the madness. So we went to relaunch it. So this was one of the early versions of the relaunch, I guess. Um, back in this is 20, yeah, 2012, 2013-ish time that we relaunched it. Yeah, and it seems, man, it does not seem that it's been that long ago. It's been almost 10 years um, since we relaunched that. And yeah, I just remember it was a lot of fun. I remember logging on to our Twitter, which hadn't been used in years, and like tweeting for the first few times on there. And people were like, oh my God, like, like what is this? I think I remember one of your first tweets was something like, uh, just doing a bit of uh, spring cleaning in here. It's getting pretty dusty or something. Yeah. Like, there's something around those lines. Yeah, just something <laughs> to show that, like, hey, we, we're, you know, we're cleaning off the cobwebs, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, but it was fun. We, I just, I, I remember diving, like, right back into my obsession with covering Sega and building Sega Nerds. And I was, I was just, obsessed with the drive and the thought of making Sega nerds, uh, you know, big again and, and building it up and kind of restoring what I felt like it, it almost in a way, fixing a lot of the, the mistakes that we had made in the past, because I know we, we had some missteps and things like that. And so part of it was, you know, I want to go back and, and build this and do it the right way again and, and, and see it through. And see if we could, you know, see if there's an audience still there. And just a lot of it was just having fun with you guys again and doing podcasts and starting that whole thing up again. And it was, man, we had a blast building this all up. And I think this would be a good time to to talk about some other people that kind of came in mm. uh, to the team in and around this time. And I want to say one of the really important people in Sega Nerds and into Megavision's history was Kopke. Yeah. He ended up coming in around this time. And he, I think he was just a reader or someone that we met online. And I think what it was is maybe we started resharing some of his because I remember seeing his art. And in fact, I still have this really cool House of the Dead art that he did. But it was like a Day of the Dead type thing, mm. like a Mexican Day of the Dead uh, theme. It was so cool. I still have it. I printed it out and I still have a lot of posters that he sent me over the years. And he created the new Sega Nerds logo and helped us kind of transition to the updated Sega Nerds website, which I guess this would be Sega Nerds 4.0. So yeah, I guess this was Sega Nerds 4.0. Then we had, was it this one we had next? I think so, probably. And this this was just we this is kind of the one we still have today. It's just different versions of it. And this is the earlier version of the theme, and you see it's kind of built up, but you see Copti's hands in all of this. You know, he created yeah, these the logo. That was so kicking ass one plumber at a time was one of our long standing logos. Yeah, so talking about um the sort of Nerdcast logo and stuff, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So Kopke was really, he was very important in helping us get 
uh, really good branding because before that, I don't think we ever really had that until maybe that original that that kind of Sega Nerds blue design that yeah. was pretty good. But this is um, certainly a big step. First, this of this of one, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we, yeah, we. This is one of the more more recent versions, I guess. But we actually, I need to. Find the website. I've got off the wood there. I want to keep. I'll, I'll keep talking about yeah, Copkey. Of course, of course you do. Yeah. Copkey Cop- made uh, all the the logo or the the banner that you see was the. I think that was Sonic uh, from Sonic Boom. But yep. he created a hundred of these things, and we would just every few weeks we would just add a new one and and change it up, and he created cool themed ones. So it's mm. like. When it was Valentine's Day, he would have a Valentine's Day one, and he would create these cool Valentine's Day cards every year. And it was really cool. And I think Kopke did a very neat job about in, in connecting with the community like through his art. Uh, and I think he helped us do that with his art, which is really, really cool. Uh, he did a lot of this, this horror fest stuff. I love the Sigators with the green ooze. That's yeah. so cool. Uh, Kopke was an awesome artist and so he was with us for a number of years uh helped us with that helped us you know get megavisions the logo with megavisions as well uh but this was the the website and i think this was when we felt like okay we are on to something again and we have something special that we're building here and at this time this was probably 2014 or so graham yeah, I would say, like, what are some yeah. of the... This is 2014. So this top one here is February 2014. Okay. And this is when we started building again. I think we started building up and we were getting a lot of traffic again. We were much more established for me financially. Uh, you know, we didn't have to worry about hosting, you know, fees anymore. I was fine with taking care of that. So a lot of the problems that we were dealing with in the past that, you know, triggered some of these decisions over the years were gone. And so we could kind of focus on just making content for Sega nerds and building that out. And I think that was cool. One of the other people that came around during this time, I think was, is important to talk about because I, I love the guys, Andrew Pine. Yes. And Andrew was great because he brought in an element that we never had before, which was like video. And I remember the first time I saw one of Andrew's, videos was his uh um in the footsteps of rio in rio's footsteps yeah he did a shenmue sort of mini documentary basically which was really cool i think we brought him onto the nerdcast way back when to talk about it because i believe he was doing some sort of i don't know if it was a kickstarter but it was something where he was trying to raise some money or doing something because he was trying to make the second the second one and we brought him on and we just clicked and hit it off he was funny he was just very snarky. In some ways, he reminded me of of Ryan in a way. Um, but no, he was he was very cool. And Andrew did a lot of stuff with us over the years. He, he jumped onto the podcast. I want to say Andrew and you were kind of the main podcast hosts for for a while there. Mm. And that was, and no, Andrew was, doing the podcast with him was quite was an interesting thing because you're in America, I'm in the UK, he's in Australia. There are two wildly different, like three wildly different time zones that 
made it very How did we difficult. do that? How did he, we He was getting up that? a ridiculous hour. He was getting up like four AM or something to do the show. It was <laughs> something ridiculous. But I think I think I'm sorry. I think I was going I think I was middle of the day, he was super early morning. I think you were late at night or something. Something like that. It worked out in a really weird way. Um okay. <laughs> or maybe you were middle of the day, I was late at night and he was early morning. I can't remember how it works, but uh yeah. It's uh actually that would make sense. Because when it's my night time, it's Australia's morning, basically. Because um, they're eleven or twelve hours difference to, from us, so yeah, I was trying to see if I could find. I can't see an episode with him in it. Never mind. Uh, like where we interviewed him, he was on our when we when we had Keith Apicary on. Oh, was he, he was, was the Keith Apicary one? Yeah, yeah, because I watched that one not too long ago. Uh, ah, okay, there you go. <coughs> One of our other team members at this time was Stephen. I want to say Stephen Klim, and yep. he was the one that created a lot of our podcast art with these oversized heads stuff. That was <laughs> kind of funny. We only did this for maybe a dozen or so episodes before we changed it up again, but that was kind of funny. A lot of these episodes aren't working because the uh, I think that player was like a flash player or something. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. This is before we did any video podcasts. Um, yeah, wow. Um, no, we did video podcasts back then. We, we? we were using Google Hangouts. Yeah, because the Keith Abercary was a was a video podcast. Oh, was it? Oh, I, I wasn't on this one, I, I was, don't think. Yeah, that was when we were doing, because we were still doing Google Hangouts. Right. Um, uh, right before Google Hangouts got really bad, <laughs> basically. Mm. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, so that was like the relaunch of Sega Nerds. <laughs> um, that was the, the relaunch. And, you know, it, that was, this was a fun time because I think this re-sparks our rivalry with Sega Bits in a way. Yeah. And I want to say that it drove, I think, probably both sites to create a lot of good content. Uh, yeah. I remember we would fight to try to be the first to publish news and so i think it probably helped both our sites grow because it pushed us to create better content because we were yeah we had a rival did you want to did you want to touch on a bit of the rivalry at all or that's what we're doing i thought oh okay i thought i I thought you wanted to explain a bit a bit more let's go where where that came from okay let's let's jump into it okay um so yeah i guess i guess as we all mentioned when we went to the cartel, Sega Nerds, and like it started to go down, um, Sega Bits was created, um, and for so basically, we we Sega Nerds was done for a few years, and then we we brought it back. But I think the fact that we brought it back all of a sudden irked some of the Sega community, I guess, and also um, the guys who worked at Sega Bits because we had been working with them originally because they were they were buddies of us, like George and Ryan and Co. Um, I think the fact that we were trying to relaunch Sega Nerds, I think they saw that as a bit of a, almost like an insult or a challenge because they were the number one, or they kind of still are the number one sort of Sega news site at the moment, I guess. Um, um, but yeah, they, they were like the main one after Sega Nerds disappeared. And yeah, when we came back up, I think they thought that we were just trying to reclaim our, our glory, as it were, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, so yeah, I think... I was going to add something. I remembered something. I was trying to think of it, and then oh, okay. I, I lost it. 
Um, fair enough. Um, um, but yeah, I think I think some people at Sega Bits weren't too happy with that. So there was a bit of a rivalry that sort of built up. So when we relaunched, I think a few shots were fired on social media and stuff. Um, I personally actually stayed out of most of this. So that's I feel Chris, you were more involved in some of some of it. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it was. I honestly, I look back on it and. I I look back on it fondly because like I said, like it, I think it was, it was fun looking back on it. Like all the, the rivalry and silliness and pettiness that went on. Um, it was silly. It was funny. I'm, I'm, I'll be 40 years old this year and I'll tell you what, argue with people on the internet. I don't care to do that anymore. Um, so, but it was fun back then. I still like doing it. And yeah, it was, I had a, it was, I was not having fun. It was not fun doing it at the time. Um, but looking back, I do think it was good. Um, I mean, I don't know what else to say about oh, the, yeah. the rivalry. I mean, it's you wanted, what other details did you want to go into? I don't, I don't know. I just, it's funny that you say that you, you, you looking back, you found it fun. I, I hated it when it happened. And now I, I, That's hate what I said. when it happened, I wasn't liking it, but when looking back, I think it, it, it was, I, it I, some that's the thing. I still don't think it was a good thing. I, I'm of the opposite opinion. I, I don't like the fact that we kind of almost, we effectively fell out with some friends. Um, there was a split in the sort of Sega community as in essence. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, because there's other, lots of other Sega sites out there and we, we get along really well. Like, you know, Radio Sega, we're, we're good friends with and stuff. And, um, you know, other Sega sites out there, we've, we've had good working relationships with them in the, in the past, like Sonic Stadium. And, um, I think you can remember the, the website that Kevin Eva used to run. It was like another Sonic fan site. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, um, well, I mean, honestly, like I felt like, Oh, that's what I was going to remember. Okay, I, I do remember. So, before we relaunched uh, Sega Nerds, I remember George and I were in discussions for a, several years just off and on about him wanting to get, uh, you know, basically me to give him Sega Nerds and all the archives and everything else. And I guess the idea behind that at the time was saying he wanted to kind of keep it going and, and just make sure, like, the, it didn't get lost. And I think his plan was to integrate all of the content over into a Sega bits. I, I think that's kind of what they were oh, yeah. looking to do. And at the time I was like, that's fine. I'll, I'll do that. Cause I, you know, at the time I didn't have plans to do anything with it. And I wanted to, I could say, I wanted to make sure that the stuff survived as well. Um, and I just never got around to doing it. I never got around to transferring the the domain and everything to him. And obviously in hindsight, I'm very glad that I never did that uh, because we probably never would have got it back. Um, but I think maybe that's also led to some of it because I think in their mind, they were the new iteration of Sega nerds is because they, they branched off. And if you look at, their website, it still looks like a basic copy of that Sega Nerds. Like, I don't know if it's 3.0 is like the blue one. It's okay. still basically a copy of that design today, Sega Bits is. Um, and so I think maybe that, I, I don't know, maybe that led to some of it too, because in their mind, they thought that they were 
the you know spiritual successor uh, to Sega Nerds, and then we come back. I don't know. I don't know. Um, hmm. But it wasn't like we didn't have any ill intent on coming back and like trying to uh, start any sort of thing with them. Uh, it was more about just us wanting to come back and and build Sega Nerds up to what it was before. But at some point, like you said, some stuff was said online at some point. I don't remember who said what or whatever, but the rivalry started and it just kind of built from there. And it was, um, it got heated, you know, we were, you know, copy was in the middle of it and it was, it was more so than anything. I think it was just petty silliness uh, with people who were just immature taking this website stuff too serious. But looking back on it, I do think that it had some positive things. And I think part of it was the content we created. I think it did push us to create a lot of, uh good content and i remember at the time you know wanting to be the you know like push and beat them at you know at covering news at creating better content and all those things and i thought we were doing that in my mind that you know i always thought that we were doing that that we were putting out the, the best quality content so um and that was just part of the rivalry you know um and it was like i said for me i had fun graham you're, I think, maybe more of a pacifist, maybe than I am. Uh, yeah. But, hey, what it happens to me is when people talk crap to me or say something online, I don't. It doesn't like hurt my feelings. I get motivated uh, to do better and to show them and to kick their ass. And so that's when that started happening to me. I didn't like hurt my feelings or make me sad. Like I was just like, okay, these bitches want some shit like all right we're gonna we're gonna you know fight back okay. and we're gonna show them that uh we are the ogs that created this stuff and we can come back and do it again and that was one of the you know things that um when they came about and and started a lot of that is what drove that in me was like i they want to come at us and do this fuck them <laughs> i'm gonna push for push back and and lead us and be better uh, and so that was a lot of it back then. And that was kind of my uh, standpoint and, and how I, I took it and how I was kind of trying to lead us through all that. Mm. So, yeah, I, th- but, I feel like, I feel like for me, that's all I I'm very different to you. That kind of shut me down. Like I was not happy. Didn't really, I, I kind of got doubts about it a bit more. So yeah. And like with, when Sega Nerds, we launched, I actually posted a lot less than I used to on the old Sega Nerds. I was less, less invested i guess and i think it's partly down to that the whole rivalry that sort of stemmed from it it's sort of i don't know it affects me in different ways to you i guess uh i'm a, I'm yeah. a tiny english guy you're like a big american dude yeah we'll, we'll get you <laughs> i'm like oh i'm sorry <laughs> i'm too meek and timid sometimes which is it's just a fault um i would admit but one of my many faults yeah it's fine. Uh, I think we should just also run down a list of some other folks that yeah. uh, were kind of important along the way. Uh, Lee Sparks, he was uh, he came in and as a writer, he did a lot of cool feature content for Sega Nerds, uh, some retrospectives that were really good. Uh, I still I still uh, see him on that. I think he he runs a Lupin uh, fan site, and he's he posts content all the time over there. I don't remember what it's called offhand but another is jp swartzlander oh, and he yeah. was another writer jp for a while he was around uh wrote a lot of reviews covered i think he did a lot of 
Puyo Puyo, if I remember. I can't remember for sure. We talked about Steven. He was around for a minute. He was super into Jurassic Park. I remember oh, he yeah. loved Jurassic Park. He it's loved Power Rangers. He had tattoos. He was <laughs> great. Um, and he's, he's still around. I'm, on, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Uh, he's doing good. Uh, but I don't think he's he's making content anymore. He was also... Uh, he did YouTube content for us off and on and did some video reviews when we were trying to do that along with Andrew. And I think the other person is Cube. Oh, yeah. He Cube. is Cube, yeah, man. This guy's been around for a long time in the Sega community. I'm sure people who are listening have been involved in the Sega community probably have you know, known him off and on uh, throughout the years. He's a, a very interesting person i met him in real life and he was super cool uh went down when i was in san antonio at some point him and i met up and went to this game store and hung out for the night it was cool man Q's awesome he just he's one of those that uh kind of like you in a way Graham, has his very he's very opinionated but has opinions that are not the norm sometimes he'll hate games that a lot of people love um Unlike you, where you love games, most people hate. Um, he's kind of the opposite. <laughs> and so sometimes it would come off that he's like hating games just for the sake of hating or whatever. But no, I think he he had a good heart and he he wrote a lot of good content over the years. And he was one that was always trying to cover the indie scene of, of Sega and Dreamcast and everything else. So he was really heavily involved in covering that over the years. Um, and so I think, you know, he, he played a big part in, yeah. in helping us cover, you know, Sega indie stuff over the years. So I have to shout out to uh, old Cube. Over yeah, there. he actually messaged me not that long ago on uh, Facebook, um, just uh, something happening in one of the podcasts. So he might be listening. So, yeah. Hey, Cube, if you are listening. Um, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, fantastic. Um, should we move on to then, because we're actually, we're getting very late, I have to admit. Should we move on to uh, Mega Visions? Let's move on to Megavision. So it's around this time that Graham and I, it's like 2014. And like we were saying, we just, we're getting to the point where we're getting burned out and we needed something fresh. We were trying to, we just wanted to do something a little different. And we started thinking and we're like, man, what if we made our own magazines? And we thought that was crazy. And I don't even remember what were some of the other names that we were thinking of, of the magazine? But I think we I thought think, Sega Nerds magazine at one point, but we, I think we didn't want to be like, because we're like looking to sell this and stuff. We didn't want to have the word, the name, the Sega logo on it attached to it. Um, right. For like that was, legal reasons. That was one of the other. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things that we were, that was happening a lot and we were getting frustrated with was like merchandise that we were trying to sell that had Sega nerds on it. We were getting copyright strikes and other things from Sega because obviously they're trying to protect their property and, and stuff. So we decided, we realized like if we're going to try to do anything bigger, we can't be Sega nerds because we're always going to run into that issue with the legality of it. And so we created mega visions and we wanted to create our own magazine but at the time, we weren't going to be able to create a physical version because we didn't have the capability or the money to be able to do something as crazy as that. So we decided instead 
maybe in our infinite wisdom, I don't know, <laughs> we were going to create this digital interactive version of the magazine. And at first we were just going to do a digital version. And Graham came up with this idea to do the physical version, which is quite unique. So Graham, I'll turn it over to you and kind of okay. talk about that. Yeah. So, um, so I just correct you there. You said I came up with the idea to do a physical version. You meant the digital interactive version. Yeah. The interactive is what yeah. I meant. Yes. So, um, um, just, just one thing. Um, Akira Blade loves the name Megavisions. Um, says it reminds them of the favorite physical magazine back in, in Italy they used to buy called, um, Mega Console. Very cool. Awesome. Um, uh, yeah. So, okay. So I used to work at one point in, in my career life. I used to work at a very small magazine company. Um, they did, they did some cool car magazines. We also did building magazines. Uh, any long term listeners of the podcast will know about that. Um, but one of the companies they partnered with was this company that created, that did, um, digital versions of magazines and you could upload to their platform, um, just PDF versions of a magazine. But they also were doing interactive versions of magazines. So that meant that you could have images that were like flipped over and stuff. You could have videos embedded in your magazine very easily. You could have uh, 3D images of, of objects and stuff. Like if, if we wanted to have a games console, we could take lots of pictures and actually have it like a, a 3D rotating one. And they were designed for tablets like iPads, um, you know, Android tablets and also designed for mobile. Um, and it's a really cool idea. Um, and we were looking at it going, this could, this could be it. This could be the future. We, rather than just having a basic PDF version, because printing costs were too high at the time. It was like, so hard to do printing, like self-publishing at the time. We thought this is the best avenue. Like, it, best- it hasn't gotten cheaper, I'll tell you that. Well, <laughs> I, th- I think it's, it's easy. It's definitely easier than it used to be. I, th- I think... I think back in the back when we were first yeah. looking at it, you used to have to order like 10,000 copies just to be able to do a print run. And now it's like you can do smaller batches of a thousand and stuff. It's not, not cheap, but it's, it's, um, yeah, I, I think easier. it's more accessible to yes. print off your own stuff at a smaller, uh, you know, number than, than it was, you know, yeah. five, 10 years ago. Um, but anyway, this, this company, we, we, they're called Pocket Mags. They, they've got that, they've, they've got a big um online digital store where people can buy lots there's, they do magazine like there's they've got thousands of magazines on their platform um they're really big magazines basically but anyone can basically sort of sign up to them and sort of put their magazine on there digitally um we were looking into this interactive option which seemed really cool but bloody hell was it hard work so at this point in time i had left another job um and i was basically sort of unemployed at the time and I was looking for other work but I thought actually maybe this is the opportunity to work on Megavision so like you know I had I had a little bit of money saved up not much to be honest but you know I could just about survive and started working on the magazine sort of as my job but the digital interactive magazine was not an easy thing um the platform they sort of sold to us as it were wasn't the easiest thing to do um it took a lot of work. I had to create two versions of each magazine. So I had to do a tablet version and a phone version. And the problem with these are that all phones and tablets are different. Unless you've got, unless, unless we just created for iPad, they're all different sizes, they're all different sort of shapes and stuff. So I had to cry. Didn't we end up making one for the Kindle as well? Um, we actually used the same version as tablets for Kindle. But yeah, it was okay, launched, okay. launched in Kindle it store. Yeah, no. Um, we didn't do a separate one, although the Kindle one kept having loads of problems with it. So, like the Kindle Fire one kept having problems with it. 
Um, and that was the other thing that sold to us. It could work on iOS, it could work on Android, it could work on Windows. There's like also a Windows app as well for Windows 8 and stuff. And yeah, just, um, yeah, it was a lot of work. Are you able to log in your Pocket Mags app? I can't remember. On, the, on your browser? I can't, I, can't remember. Oh, okay. I can't remember my details and stuff. Um, but I was going to say, oh, yeah, like, for example, there's more than one occasion I stayed up for 48 hours trying to get the magazine launched, like finishing off articles, getting uploaded. And the thing about it was, you, like, with a PDF, you'd lay it out, have the images on there, done. With this, I'd have to lay it out with little thumbnails and then upload it and then have to then separately upload images, like create image files, which I could then upload to to their platform and then basically tag where the images go and then create an invisible box where the image would appear and stuff like that. It was a lot of work. I think I got you to help me out once, Chris, and you realized how ridiculous it was. Oh, yeah, and sometimes when you hit save, it all went wrong. Like, the pages would just suddenly change around. <laughs> it wouldn't and, only do that. It's like sometimes when we published the whole magazine, it would just break for no yeah. reason. Like and after it was already done. And I'd like, I'd like have to call up the company and sort of go, this, this isn't working. And they'd look into it and go, oh yeah, something's wrong with the system in the back end and stuff. It's like, oh my God. So yeah, the, the brilliant genius idea that I had for an interactive magazine was probably the dumbest thing we've ever done because it just, it costs so much time and energy. Oh. It's so annoying. Um, it would have been so much easier just to create a PDF. Like yeah. just, it would have been way easier and it's all- if, if we... It's also one of the reasons. So we actually get a lot of requests to have PDF versions of the the original six issues we did on the interactive one. And part of the problem is, while we do stuff to the files, the way they were created, it's so difficult to make them into PDF. It's going to take a lot of time. Um, they're not designed for like you know printing off and stuff. The the actual scale the scale of fonts and stuff designed for iPad is very big compared to a print version. And if you were to print it out, it's like going to, it's going to take up, you know, hundreds of pages, for example. And it's not, it's not fit. Basically, it's not fit for purpose. We'd have to redesign the whole thing, which is what I found out. I basically tried to do it and I was just like, this is going to take me forever to do too. So like, it's not, it's and, not easy. And really, I think people, they, they think the idea of having those originals is cool. But if, if you look at trying to take those and put them as a PDF and print them, they're not going to look good. It's not, it's, it's, it, they weren't made to do that mm. and it's just i don't think it would translate very well so um so that was that was that so we in july we decided hey we're going to create this kickstarter and we launched it i think we were trying to get was it like thirteen thousand at the time uh fifth oh yeah it was 13 it's about thirteen thousand. i think we worked out that's what yep. we'd need that roughly thirteen thousand. <laughs> i wish we had a lot more than that i'll tell you that oh yeah it God, definitely helped a lot more but, a little video no i think we Many of us oh, remember video. the good old oh. days when we were kids, so- sitting in our rooms, reading our favorite wow. video game magazines, flipping through those pages and reading all about the new and upcoming Sega games for the Genesis, Saturn, or Dreamcast would get us so hyped. <laughs> Before there were online communities, forums, and social media to talk about video games and meet other like-minded gamers, video game magazines were what we used to connect with each other, even if we didn't realize it at the time. We cherish the memories we created reading through our favorite video game magazines like the official Dreamcast magazine, Mean Machine Sega, and Sega Visions. In fact, we still pull them out every now and again to relive the good old days. Sadly, it just isn't the same today. 
As most video game magazines focus on the next blockbuster war shooter or a new sci-fi space adventure, with very little coverage going to Sega's great games of today and in the past. Today, that changes because with your help, the team at Sega Nerds is launching a brand new digital Sega magazine called Mega Visions that will create entirely new memories and carry the legacy of our favorite magazines of the past into the future. Mega Visions is brought to you primarily by the team at Sega Nerds. We've been covering Sega for more than 10 years and the site remains one of the earliest Sega news sites still around. But there's also a tremendous amount of industry experience that's gone into creating Megavisions. We've worked with the designers behind Next Generation Magazine, the official Dreamcast Magazine, and many others to develop Megavisions' visual identity and ensure it had that classic Sega look and feel. Each issue will feature an entirely original, hand-drawn cover by video game artist Rob Duenas, who's created many covers for Game Fan Magazine, Play Magazine, Retro Magazine, and many others. Megavision's first issue will release later this year, and each issue will be delivered via our custom app on the iOS, Android, and Kindle app stores. Our focus will be a balance of current news and reviews of Sega and Atlas games, but also a very strong representation of retro Sega content. You can expect to read incredibly well-researched cover stories, in-depth retrospectives, reviews of current and past Sega games, the latest Sega news, and a ton of other great features and columns that will only be available to read within the digital pages of Megavisions. We've partnered with Magazine Cloner, one of the industry's leading digital magazine publishers, to enable us to bring the magazine on nearly every device and platform imaginable, including the iPad, iPhone, Android tablets, smartphone, Kindle Fire, Windows, PC, and Mac. It won't simply be a scanned PDF of a physical magazine like you've seen so many other publications offer, but it will deliver a true multimedia experience that no other Sega magazine has done before. We'll be able to integrate video, slideshows, 360-degree rotating images, vertical scrolling, and many other great features that will make reading Megavisions on any device a pleasure for your eyeballs. If you've been a long-time reader of Sega Nerds, you'll know the passion we have for covering Sega. For those who only know about us in passing or have never heard of the site before, we encourage you to look through the vast amount of Sega content we've published throughout the years. We believe the quality of our website and content is proof that we're capable and passionate enough to see Megavisions become the success we know it's capable of being. We encourage you to read through our Kickstarter campaign, and if you believe in what we're trying to accomplish, we hope you'll consider investing in our dream. With your help, we can create a magazine that not only Sega fans will love and cherish, but one that gamers throughout the world will want to read. Oh, and be sure to keep following our campaign in the days and weeks ahead, because we have some very exciting surprises and announcements that we're sure you'll get a kick out of. It was a little heavy-handed with, uh, like, tugging at your heartstrings there. <laughs> that was... Sorry, I, I forgot we had a video. That was... Wow. That's that's a thing. Um, wow, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so just say... So anyone was looking at those screenshots, those early screenshots, they, they were from our original idea of just doing a normal PDF, and they looks... The magazine looks so different to that when we when we actually launched... Uh, Her name was Monique Convertito, who that's who we were referencing when we said that uh, that original design was created by 
um, ah. some of the original designers of those magazines. That was Monique. I think that was yes, her name. Her last name was I remember. Oh. So we actually hired her to come in to help us create these kind of concept uh, things here. She did the, the, I think she did that cover. Uh, she did these. And we used them for the Kickstarter. I want to say we also showed this to Tom Kalinske. Because yeah. that February, I want to say Marcin and I went to the New York Toy Fair to meet Tom Kalinske and pitch him this, basically. And he saw it, and we told him what we wanted to do. We wanted him and Al Nielsen to write this kind of uh, back and forth, have this conversation, really, a kind of uh, an audio retrospective between them. We're talking about different stories. And so we showed him Monique's designs, and he really loved them. And I, I'm looking at them now, and as we were watching the video, they still look really good, I think. Yeah, I think we should yeah go with them. <laughs> let's do it <laughs> <laughs> we'll hire again yeah. uh and so no this was we learned a lot from this uh kickstarter there were times where i remember thinking this wasn't going to get funded um i did not think we were uh we had some surprises in store i think we announced that uh um blake harris was going to write an article yeah. for us that was a big one we announced that tom and al were going to be part of it and so there was some big surprises that we had and i think um mm. I think it went really well. We ended up beating our goal in the end. I think we raised an additional couple thousand dollars uh, when all said and done. Yeah, it was. It was. It was good. It was good. It was a good feeling to get it get it launched. And I think, but I think we didn't really fully appreciate how much work we'd been involved in. I definitely didn't from the interactive side of things. I wish we'd gone with the no. basic PDF version, um, and then we could have easily, hopefully, transitioned into. Uh, print version down the line a lot easier but yeah um so i mean this is the kind i think we were just trying to do we it goes back to us trying to do something different we're trying to push the envelope and that's something we've always tried to do is like try to do something that's new original that no one's ever done before and that's what we were trying to do with with this first iteration of mega visions and and hindsight I agree with Graham. I wish we had done something different. I wish we did something more traditional, um, more simple, um, that would allow us to have printed these things. But we can't go back and change that now. You know, we can only try to learn from these mistakes and get better and, and continue to do that. And that's what we've been doing. And we're not and have not given up on Megavision. It's been five years and we continue to go. And we did six of these digital issues. We fulfilled our Kickstarter obligation because we that was what it was, is we did a Kickstarter to to fund six issues that were about like I think quarterly at the time. And I think it ended up taking us about two years to, to finish those. I think actually we did stay on track with, with those issues. They were basically, was it, was it possibly, was it bi-monthly? I don't know. Maybe it was bi-monthly. At I first. think it was, was bi-monthly. I, think, I don't know what, what were think we thinking. We might've been slightly delayed in a couple of bits, but I think we did actually manage yeah. to get the main issue out. I think, the phone version got delayed a couple of times because as yeah. I said before, I had to basically design and lay out everything for two different versions. And it was, it was so much work. And these were not small magazines either. They actually had, we had hundreds of pages in them. Basically, if you were to convert they were them to way a magazine, too big. We, they were way yeah. too big. Yeah. We should have not was, done as many things as we did. I ever. remember people would actually tell us like, there's too much content in this stuff. Um, there's just yeah. too much, which is funny because you open up a, like a retro um, magazine or whatever, retro gamer. 
And it's like 140 pages. It's way more. Well, half of it's ads. But um, we didn't have any ads either. We had 100 pages. No ads. Oh, uh, just stupid. I think we, we had a few. We, we had some ads. We, we did some, have ads. We had a few ads. Yeah, because with part of the Kickstarter, we got some people to do some adverts. Some companies mm-hmm. did some adverts. We didn't That's really true. have that many ads going forward. We... Um, like they after like one or two issues they we didn't really have any advertising um but except for like um other so, so radio sega we had a collaboration with radio sega um they did an article mm-hmm. each issue and we gave them ads free ad space basically um that was yeah. actually really cool because the idea behind it was we created we curated we worked with them radio Sega to curate a kind of playlist the idea of it was you would read the magazine listening to the playlist that they created yeah. and so it gives you that whole Sega feel. And I think the idea behind it, I think it was kind of cool. There, there was a lot of just neat ideas that, you know, like maybe the, like it didn't actually function as good as, you know, it, it could have. Um, but there were some cool ideas there that we did. Um, yeah. That were, I think that were kind of, that were neat uh, and fun. So, but we finished those six issues. It was probably, I think, in like 2018 or so when we completed that, maybe 2017. And that's when we decided we were going to leave Kickstarter and transition to Patreon. And that's when we launched our Patreon. And in addition to that, we were leaving the digital interactive version and we were going full with a physical version. So for issues seven, eight, nine were all physical. Um, and I think we went quarterly. We ch- transitioned it from that news style and we were working with Sketchcraft a lot. And he started doing basically the entire design of the magazine. And we decided to make it more of a art book that had kind of evergreen content in there, stories and themes. And that was great. But it still wasn't really what we were trying to do originally. It wasn't what we our original vision for what Mega Visions was. It just it wasn't that. You know, it was it was. Um, I think it was amazing, and I'm super proud of it. It was great, but like I said, it was not necessarily the vision that we originally had. And so now, it was. We were working on issue 10, and this was probably about a year and a half ago, it dates back when your work on issue 10 started. And it was just going slowly. And I think at some point, it was a weird transition too, because it was like right when COVID was going on. It was like the early days of COVID. And I think at some point, uh, Sketchcraft had to leave the team. And it meant we weren't going to be able to finish issue 10 because we didn't have we weren't able to basically create that issue and finish it in the same way rob was able to do it because rob had his own style and workflow and everything and it was just way different and way too time consuming for for us who weren't familiar with his processes to try to finish it off and we just weren't able to do it it sucks that that happened you know it it was unfortunate but what we decided to do was like hey okay we're not going to quit the magazine it's bigger than one person. If I left the magazine, I would hope that it would continue to keep going. And if anyone else leaves the magazine, it's going to continue to keep going. So the same went for Sketchcraft. Even though he was our art designer and he did everything in the magazine, we just had to say, okay, this sucks. We have to get up and keep going. We have to keep going forward. So that's what we did. 
and we partnered with we brought on some new designers and we've been working on the redesign of megavisions for the past six months or so now um mm -hmm. starting from scratch starting from scratch and building this thing up in kind of the vision we originally had of this is what we when we originally started talking about megavisions a lot of what we're doing now is what we were wanting to do but we couldn't do it because we just didn't have the means uh to be to do it for a lot of the same reasons and for the reasons that graham you mentioned earlier why we started with the digital interactive version what uh what can you tell us though so now that we're kind of i think we're, we're close to current day um this was yeah this was the the last few issues we still have issues eight and nine available too if people want to mm. if, if you're listening you want to buy any of these we have them on our web store i think only i want to say we have a little bit of issue eight and we should still have quite a bit of issue nine but this is those first few issues and we made it look like it was an actual vintage magazine i think that had a lot of charm and uniqueness you're never going to see a magazine that looks like this i'll tell you yeah. that hmm. So one of the things, I guess we could jump into current day. Yep. And I know we're running out of time. We're, we've been on here for a long time, but it's if this is important to me that we did this kind of Sega Nerds Megavisions retrospective. Mm. Uh, because we've never really took the time to talk about our history in like one podcast form. So I wanted to be able to do that. And I think it was fun to do that in our fiber interview. It makes sense. But before we go, we did promise that we were going to show people <laughs> some of our current issue, uh, issue number one, because Graham, tell them why we have an issue number one now. <laughs> um, I feel like you're the best place to explain this, but we are looking at relaunching the magazine. So we, we, a bit like what we've done with our previous websites, like with Dreamcasters Realm, with Sega Nerds. Um, we effectively had to like relaunch them at certain points in time. Um, and it's basically effectively starting from scratch. And that's kind of what we feel like we've needed to do with, with Megavisions in a way. We've, we've had, we've had the digital version, the interactive digital version for tablets and phones and stuff. Um, that's all Renix course is a pain in the ass to do. Um, but, um, then we moved to the print version, which was amazing with Rob, Rob at the helm, sort of doing all the artwork and being the art director, creating something so unique and so amazing. Um, but since, since Rob's had to sort of move on and stuff, um, he's still going to be involved, but he can't be involved as much as he is. We need to look at other ways of doing the magazine. And so the magazine's going to have a very different look to it. We're still going to have the great same content pretty much. Like, you know, the same sort of, you can expect most of the same articles and stuff, a uh, bit of some, maybe some slight changes, but, um, the, um, most of the team is still there. So all the writers are basically still there. We've got some more writers as well, actually. Uh, but the, the look of the magazine's going to be, very different so effectively we're, we're rebooting again we're we're relaunching and hopefully this is um a new magazine that we'll be able to actually pump out more regularly because that's what while rob's artwork is just beautiful and gorgeous it was a lot a much longer process than perhaps maybe we'd like and maybe the audience would like so we were never able to sort of do um a very regular you know like monthly or bi-monthly issue each time because um because of how much work went into each of them so what we're looking at doing is um going forward hopefully you're going to have something that will be easier to put together be more regular we're, we're, we're not committing to anything right now but hope 
the the goal is down the line hopefully we have to do a bi-monthly even a monthly issue but um we're we're going to start start to slow take the steps learn from the mistakes we've made previously where we sort of just jumped into things um, um and yeah so i mean chris is there anything else you'd like to add to that before we show some of the screens did try when we started off with this redesign the the same we it was very important to to keep what we felt was the parts that are iconic to, to megavisions things that make megavisions megavision so for one we wanted to keep the colors we thought the colors of megavisions were really important the the red green and blue uh, but we, we wanted to keep the font we thought that was a very megavisions thing our logo is still the same we've We've removed kind of the vintage look to it, so it's 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 white and clean, which is also the same for the rest of the magazine. So we know that we know that that vintage look uh, was a little not controversial, but some people liked it and got what we were going for, and some people didn't, and that was fine. And we knew that not everyone was going to like it, and that was okay. But uh, that was just a design and an art style decision that we made, and just like that with this we're deciding to, to go another route and just make it all clean. We're not going to have any filters on the images or anything like that. It's going to be pure screens. Uh, and we tried to, to uh, clean up some of the design. And like Graham was saying, we actually are bringing in a lot more feature writers uh, to contribute. And one of the things that is very important to me with this new version of Megavisions is I'm, I really want the content that we put in the magazine, the stories to be valuable to our readers. I don't want to just put content in there for the sake of doing it. For like, so for instance, like just maybe just do some retro reviews on random games. Like if we can't add anything of value to the conversation revolving around these games, then I don't want to do it unless we have something to say or, or maybe information that can be valuable so that's kind of where we're approaching every article that you see in the next in, in these issues with issue one uh for this because we also decided in the reboot we thought it would be best to start over at issue one again and give our readers an actual physical issue which we announced that decision a few weeks ago so we're back to issue one however we still have some content that we had created from issue 10 that our writers and our artists had already done. So some of that content that we created originally for issue 10, we're still going to use in this issue one, which we can, we can show some of these, some of these designs, Graham, do you want to show off some so of the new, new stuff? Let's do that. Which one should we go with? Which one should we go with first? Let's do a roulette. You, you pick. Okay. Screw it. I'm just gonna, go with the first one. There we go. So this is Graham's golden X beast writer review. Long in the making. This is the game that got you your first death threat online. Yeah, which you'll find out a little tiny bit more inside the inside this article. So I do reference that, but we've spoken about that on the podcast before. Uh, should, should I just explain explain that reason? Um, or yeah, you could talk about it real quick. Yeah. So very quickly, um, I, I reviewed Golden Axe Beast Rider back when it first launched back in two thousand and eight, um, and I. Basically, I gave it an average score. Like I said it was an average game, which was not a controversial opinion at all. Most uh, other places gave it a, a negative or an average score as well. And uh, but but because uh, we were kind of like a big community and stuff, someone someone uh, who was friends with me 
on the on the Sega Nerds forums was friends with me on my Xbox account had seen that I had not unlocked the game completion achievement, um, which was um, they so they said, oh, you didn't even finish the game before you reviewed it." So they they I think there's a couple of people on Sega Nerds the Sega Nerds forums who really liked the game. And one of them called me out. So they said, you didn't even finish the game. Like, well, why, how can you review a game without finishing it? The thing is, though, I got to the second to last level in this game and I was just not having fun. You know, you're putting in like 10 plus hours into a game. If a game's not enjoyable by 10 hours, it's not a good game, you know? So, I so got, you decided and- you, you felt like you played enough of the game that you could write a informed review on it. I felt that way, yes. I... I I played most of the game. As I say, it's like the second to last level. I think I got to a point in the game I was just getting frustrated. I kept dying at the same point. I was just like, I need to get this review out. I've been playing it for hours. I think it was more than 10 hours I've been playing. I'm not sure how long exactly it was. Um, but I'd been playing, for, you know, I died loads of times previously in other levels and stuff. I had to restart levels and sections and stuff. And I just got to this point in the game where I was just like not enjoying it. The, the I can distinctly remember the level because I had these weird snake-like lady people who could like, dash around you and stuff and like almost warp around you and they the, the way they attacked was just really frustrating i think i was just tired at this point i was just like oh i'm done I'm, i can't keep playing this game at the moment i'm just not enjoying it so i sort of i, I think i gave it a fair review because there were elements of the game that were you know enjoyable and there were some good aspects but i don't think it, the whole concept was really done properly which yeah. i gave an average score but I still people didn't like it i got a bit of a negative feedback on the forums but one person did actually send me a death threat um which was uh, i can't remember the name at all they sent it to me via email i think i showed you the email chris at the time how did he say he was going to kill you i can't i actually can't i genuinely can't remember i just remember a That's very lame. angry email and sort of just referencing about like wanting to to do me serious harm Yes, happy dude. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I can't remember who it was either. That's the, that's I feel the like if you're going to give me a death threat, make it like, just make it worth it. Like, <laughs> do, tell me some detail, like what you're going to do or to me or something. Yeah, something I, to work with, you know. But I, I, I but think no, I, so, go ahead. Oh, sorry. You, I think you, I think it's a delay there. You, what were you going to say? I was just going to try to wrap it up and keep sure. moving. Yeah, so okay. Let's keep moving. But okay, we, well, uh, yeah. So this is the Golden X Beast Rider. Um, <laughs> you'll see some of these. These aren't necessarily final. We're still tweaking some small things, but this is um, this is kind of the gist of of one of our designs. We want to add big, bigger screens, bigger art, uh, as you'll see. Um, yeah. So let's go to let's go to another type of article, which is uh, the Mutant League uh, making of article. Um, so. This is a cool retrospective that we had done by uh, Graham Mason. That's his last name, I believe. I don't have it written here. So what's his last name? You can out just then. I believe it was Mason. But Graham don't, Mason. Okay. You could probably look on the, the byline there. but uh, uh, I think the byline's on the first page, and we're not going to show the first page of this it. one. Um, for a <laughs> yeah, reason. the first page, we're still working on the, the, yeah. the main art for the first page. Yeah. But, he wrote this really cool in-depth. He talked to Michael Mindheim and a lot of the other, some of the other people that were on the original teams building these games. And the Mutant League games have always been a personal passion of mine. And so I was very happy to get this and we're going to publish this kind of retrospective feature on it. And I think this is going to be a little indicative of, of some of the 
content that you'll start seeing more of in Mega Visions. Yeah. Um, so we can keep going. Yeah. So we've got also got um, a piece about Streets of Rage Four as well. Um, so sort of a bit more modern, a bit more modern Sega stuff there. Um, you'll see that we're continuing to use sprites and stickers and things like that, which we mm-hmm. were doing before. The design has cleaned up a little bit. Uh, it's a lot, lot more wider. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit more. I was going to say we kept this sort of uh, the Sega grid, or you know, retro grid. And in the background a little mm-hmm. bit as well, which we kind of had before, but you say a bit cleaned up. Uh, and people are asking why we're published, why we're now publishing a Street to Rage 4 review. It's, this was, I think, one of the original piece of content that we had, uh, but we did, we went back and updated a lot of the content. So a lot, it's, it's not just stuff that's talking about the original stuff. This one will have, uh, in this layout in the article, we'll have stuff about even the Mr. X, like the Nightmare DLC that just came out yeah. uh, for, for that. So we are freshening up all the content. It's going to have new stuff in it. So, um, Street Rage 4 review. This is our Doom Eternal. Yeah. Which... So, people might be asking, why are you putting a Doom article in there? Uh, one of the things that we're doing, too, is expanding our scope a bit. Uh, so, as, whereas we were mainly primarily focused just on Sega stuff before, we're going to start adding in a little bit more of, of general retro uh, coverage. I will say probably 90 to 85% of the coverage is still going to be Sega, but we're just going to, we're going to add in a little bit of uh, just retro and other, other stuff along the way. So Doom is a a series that has been around and it's been on many different Sega platforms. So we feel it's a, you know, it has some history with Sega and it fits within our magazine. Is this uh, what is this one? This is the Punisher. Punisher. Oh. Punisher, I hardly know her, but seriously. Um, so yeah, um, and we've still got this, this is one of the articles I've been doing for years in the in the magazine, which is what did I just play? Where I look at weird or you know really either really bad or just really strange or really crazy games or a bit of all of them. Um, so yeah, we're um, so this is one of the articles I do where. I just look at, I just observe, it's not a review as such. I just look at a game that's just a bit weird or a bit out there and sort of talk about it and talk about some of the good points, some of the bad points and just say why, like, like, what did I just play sort of thing? Um, yeah. Your favorite one of those you've done is the virtual Highland in the, I think previous issue. I think it was issue yes. nine. Yeah. That's we published cool. that one. Yeah. That's so much fun. Um, and Akira Blade said, um, you mentioned on Patreon that you're giving more space to indie projects. That's great. And yes, absolutely. Uh, there's something we're 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 dedicated to because there's a lot of we feel especially these days there's a lot of indie projects that are actually very related to sort of sega games you know there's a lot of um virtual successes to old sega ips or just games that have been influenced by sega ips and it really does fit in with what we're trying to achieve as well and there's so many great indie games out there that um i personally on a personal level i'm enjoying more than some of the big triple a games out there um there's, there's quite a few games that just really stand out and are, are fantastic. So a lot of all ones that we, that may still have some inspiration from Sega games and things like that. But we're going to look at, again, at finding different ways to cover these things and, uh, and talking to the developers more and bringing them on and into the magazine and, and mm-hmm. getting their perspectives and stuff. And cool. not just writing a retro review on a game, you know, cause I think there's better ways and more interesting ways to, to cover this stuff and tell that story. So we're definitely going to be doing a lot of that. I'm excited. Ah, yeah, for sure. 
So Akira Base just uh, said um, they're uh, an indie dev and their projects related to Sega. So if we if we want to get extra material for an article, maybe uh, maybe we could give us a shout. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely look into that. Uh, but we're just we're we're certainly going to be adding in indie stuff in the magazine. We're going to have more to show. Uh, but we thought it was important just to kind of show everyone that this magazine is still coming together. We're still uh, producing it and we're making progress. It's been, it's been tough. I won't lie to you. It's been, it's been hard building this team back together again, getting the design team back and getting progress going. Uh, but we're actually building Megavisions up in every area right now to include the magazine, magazine staff. We have a separate web staff that we're building up to continue to publish content on megavisions.net uh, is the new home for the Megavisions website. Uh, it's no longer megavisionmag.com, which should forward over to megavisions.net that's working correctly. Uh, but so we're we're really investing in all areas of, of megavisions and building out the teams there. And it's just taking it some time to get everything back into kind of a, a functioning standpoint, getting a, a team built up that can handle this. And I want to say right now we have probably about 20 to you know, 20 people or so that are working in various aspects of, of Megavisions right now. Uh, and so we just thought it was it would be nice to, to, to provide this update. And we, we told our patrons, uh, you know, about a month or so ago that this was going to be coming as well. So we wanted to show them these new scans or the, the latest layouts. Uh, like I said, they're not 100% final, uh, but a lot of them are very close. We're still tweaking little things like how we're going to have our review box and that sort of thing. Um, small tweaks, but the main redesign, the main air, you know, look and feel is going to be like what you see here. So we hope everyone likes it. We're going to continue to tweak things as we go forward. Yeah. And but yeah, this with, is it. With, with that, should we just move on to discussion about the podcast, the show? Oh shit! God, we still got that. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So yeah, just, okay. just talking about uh, the the whole chat about you know bringing talking to indie devs and stuff. Actually, just tricked it in my brain as well. So the Megavision show, as you know it, is changing. Um, we with the relaunch of the magazine and stuff, we realised we want to focus our efforts in certain other ways. Um, we've really enjoyed been doing the Megavision show as it is right now, um, but. We want to, we want to make it a bit more uh, focused on those developers. So it could be develop main developers in the industry, like old Sega developers, people who worked at Sega, or it could be indie developers that we want to sort of start getting involved in. And we want to make it more of a show that is focused more on interviewing and talking to some of these people who've worked in the games industry or who are still working in the games industry in whatever various guise it is. Um, like it could be the former marketing manager of Sega, or it could be an indie developer who's just making a, a Sega Rally fan game, as, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but um, that's something we want to do. We want to we want to still keep doing a show in a way that we can discuss Sega news, a little bit of Sega news and stuff, um, but have that as more of a feature as in the, the discussion with the developers. And it's not just going to be a, a boring interview. We're not going to, the idea is not we're not just going to do a boring interview. We want to get them involved in the show and also maybe even like play games with them, for example. Like, you know, we want to get them involved. We want to show off the game that they're working on and stuff as well. So we're, we're still fleshing out some ideas. 
But um, yeah, effectively, the show will be changing a bit. We still intend to keep it as a live Twitch show, which we also got on YouTube. We do hope it also be translate to audio as well, but we might need to do a bit more editing for the audio version. Um, but the plan is to still the show's not going away, but we're going to change it. We're going to evolve it. We've evolved it a couple of times in the past, but this one we're we're kind of excited about. We've got some really good ideas. Some of them we can't do for technical reasons, and I think we've we've learned previously. Not to do things that we we don't know for certain we can do. Um, so we're going to try and do things we know we can definitely do. And hopefully down the line, we'll be able to invest a bit more time or money or whatever's needed to get some of our really cool ideas off the ground. Because some of them are really good. Uh, just I think don't... a lot of them are just limitations of technology at this point. It's not. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily like lack of and time, really. It's just we have a, a lot of it is... It, if we were to, to do everything that we wanted to do, we'd probably need an entire production crew because yeah. it would be a, a real production show. Yeah. Uh, but we we're going to start small. Like Graham said, I think because looking back, a lot of our old podcasts, I think the strongest episodes were the ones we were interviewing people and interacting yeah. with people. And I think we do that really well. I think that's one of our strengths and we're going to go back to that. But we're going to do it in a unique way. Um, we're going to do it in a uni- unique way that um, other people, I, I think, aren't doing it. Uh, and I think it's. It's going to make it a more visually appealing and fun show. And we have some exciting things in store. And it's going to, I think that is going to help bleed over into all their aspects of Mega Visions. And we've got a lot of exciting, crazy things. Planned. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm so excited. I, I can't, I will say this. I don't think I've ever been as motivated and as excited to work on what we're doing. Um, maybe ever. Maybe, you know. You know, like back in when we relaunched Sega Nerds in 2012, when we were, you know, like killing it in Sega, on Sega Nerds in like the 2006, 2007 era and all those times. Like I'm there and super excited and motivated to get all this done. And now that we're opening up in convention season here this fall, you're going to start seeing the Mega Visions crew out at places like Too Many Games. We're going to the, I think, the Pittsburgh uh, Retro um, Expo that's happening out there. The right name for it, but then uh, at Magfest in you know January, we're going to be there as well. So lots of stuff coming. Uh, if you want to get on the Patreon, there's still time to get on there and join before the deadline is going to be cut off uh, to get issue one. So if you want to do that, go to Patreon.com/slash/MegaVisions and you can join there and, and get your subscription. So. Cool. Yeah, and and um, and this is for everyone as well. Like uh, I've dropped, I've dropped a message in the chat. But um, if you if you haven't aren't already, come and join us in our Discord channel. Um, we're we're pretty active in there. We're actually probably most active in there. We've got a great community going on there. And like Akira Blade, um, if you want to share some like screenshots from your projects in there and stuff, like please do. It'd be really interesting to see uh, what you're working on, and like you can sort of get in touch with us there. You can also get in touch with us on the various social media channels uh, at Megavisions Mag on Twitter, at Megavisions on Instagram, we're on Facebook. We've got our news website and stuff. Uh, yeah, so yeah, check us out. Log on to the Patreon and sort of subscribe for the next uh, issue of, of the magazine because it's going. Hopefully, it's going to be really exciting, and hopefully, it's going to come more regularly as well. Because uh, so far, it's actually easier to, to lay out. That's that's all I can say for certain. Um, it's definitely compared to the old. It's easier to lay out than the uh, the old interactive version. Oh yes! Oh my god! Yeah, it's so much easier. Um, so yeah, um, brilliant. I think I guess that will kind of do it, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then I think I think we covered. There was a couple of issues. Um, 
Oh, so Akira, sorry, Akira Blaze said they're in touch with one of our writers on Twitter. Perfect. Brilliant. We'll, we'll let the, the writer sort of handle that. So if they're, if they've already jumped on it, fantastic. Thank you. Um, but yeah, um, John Trevor. Sorry, is that your name? Sorry, Akira Blade. Um, cause if, if, if it's, if I. Oh, no, John, that's Xbox. Oh, okay. I don't, yeah, sorry. Xbuds, I, I don't actually know his real name. That's that's really bad. He's one of our writers. Oh, on Discord and stuff, we all go by like the usernames and stuff, so I always never know who's talking. Um, thank you so much. Brilliant. Um, what was I going to say? I can't remember. Yeah, just check us out. Come, come and join us. <laughs> Chris, you wrap it up. You wrap show, Chris. I'm, glad that, I'm glad we did this. Like I said, it's been a long time coming because I wanted to put – all of the history that we've done, I, I wanted to try to create, you know, like a a show, a clip that we could do, and maybe we'll put it on our website and our about section or something. Just something that uh, we can have that we can point to and say, if you want to know about Sega's nerds history from way back in the day, just go here because this is we talked about it all in one show. I'm glad we've had that. So this has been fun. I'm glad that everyone in the chat that's popped in and out has, has kind of been in here and then talked with us throughout this because uh, it's been a, it's, it's a crazy confusing history. Uh, lots of drama involved. Uh, lots of just creating some bad decisions, some good decisions. We had our ups and downs. It's been an emotional roller coaster over the years it has. Yeah. Uh, working on, on Sega nerds and, and mega visions. But like I was saying, Graham, um, before we started, like, I don't know what else I would be doing with my life if I wasn't doing this. I've been doing for so long and I realized that this legacy or whatever that we've built with Sega nerds and now mega visions is like, this is something that's, it is very important to me. You know, it's very important. It means a lot to me because I, I'm very proud of the work that we've done over the years, over almost 20 years of covering Sega in various forms. And I think it, I think it does mean something. It means something to me. I think it's important um, that we've done this and, and everyone that's helped over the years. And before we leave, I just want to say one thing, Graham. I think this is important because I do want to thank all the people who are part of the team now uh, and just a couple of people who are, who are really important. I just want to say, because without them, we wouldn't be right here right now. And I think we should just say that. Uh, Scotty uh, has been one of our like driving people our cornerstones of mega visions now scotty um we wouldn't be here he's awesome you know scotty has, has been a great since joining the team he's one of our, our cornerstone members um and we also have the scrubverse guys too man uh anti chris and, and, and Corey tornado jones they've joined since meeting us at uh magfest a few years ago they've joined the team and they've been awesome helping us get so much stuff back in order and helping us get ready to, to kind of make our next step. Uh, TJ, who's been uh, joined, he's the one that started our Discord, you know, him and Brett back in the day. So without those guys, we wouldn't be here. I love TJ. He's always out there uh, helping spread the word of Megavisions, and he's such a great guy. And uh, Dan is another one, our new uh, designer. I mean, a lot of the stuff you see and you're looking at, Dan was the one that was building these early designs and he's still working on mega visions, working on designs as we speak. And so without Dan, we wouldn't be here. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm not forgetting anybody, but we do have a, a robust group of other people and new staff members that have joined over the years 
without all of them, we wouldn't be able to do this. It's not just Graham and myself that make this happen. And without these people building this, nothing would happen. So I just think it's it's important to say that. I don't want to end the show yeah, without that. For sure. Yeah. That's all I have now. I'm done. I have done. I need to say. I'm cool. done. I'm sorry. Well, it's uh, so yeah, that's five years of Mega Visions. We're, we're evolving, we're moving on. Let's let's hope there's at least another five more years in us before we get too old and grey and everything. I mean, I've already lost my hair from this. I I had hair when we first started <laughs> doing all this. I used to have spiky hair back in the yeah, day. Now you yeah. just have hair on your face. Yeah, I've had to compensate. All the hair went off here. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh man. Oh, I love it. Anyway, I love it. yeah. Let's uh, let's let's wrap up the show. Uh, everyone have a great weekend. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll we'll. We're still working on the new this new show, but hopefully we'll have one. Maybe we'll have one next week. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, but mm-hmm. very soon, very soon at least. So yeah. Anyway, with that, yep. let us say goodbye. Thanks everybody. Thanks for watching. Catch you later. Honey, I gotta tell you about this sandwich. I'm still not happy with my camera. You're not happy with your camera. Well, okay, you're just going to move it. Cool. Okay, good. Well, I'm <laughs> sorry. You, you, I won't Brilliant. touch anymore. Sorry. So before we started streaming, you said you're not going to touch your camera anymore. And as soon as we start streaming, you start playing with your camera. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not anymore. I won't touch it again. Okay, because now, yeah, now you're like freezing really badly. So yeah, apologies for the delayed start, everybody. We had some pretty bad internet issues, and Chris is now using his phone instead of his computer to to stream because it's better quality than what his main Wi-Fi internet was getting. So yeah, although I don't know what's going on, I'm supposed to have a gigabit uh, like download speed, and I just did a speed check a minute ago. I'm getting like eight megabits per second. Their mega, I, I don't remember what it is, but it's it's not good. It's not good. So you're right. I'm having to use my my phone. So we'll see how that goes. So hopefully, I, it'll... I will tell you right now, you've suddenly gone really bad. <laughs> like you are not a fresh. So okay, everybody. Just before we started the show, Chris was lovely and smooth. He looked really good, and then just then you were jerking around. Actually, you seem to smoothed out a bit. I think I think it could be working. Close the Twitch. Uh, stream <laughs> on my laptop, even though I'm not even using my internet on my phone. But so, just because that was the one thing I did, and then it started doing it. Okay, so, so the Wi Fi is off on your phone, yes? Yeah, yeah, there's no Wi Fi on your yes. phone. Cool. Okay, good. So, whatever you yeah. did just then, even though you weren't using Wi Fi, you just closed Twitch, you're, you're looking good. It's better. Good. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's do it. <laughs> so we can, we can start the show, I think. <laughs> <laughs>